Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, that's actually not what I wanted to start the show off as, so I'm going to kill that before my teeth shake out of my head. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. This is your producer, Thomas The Rock Watts, producing himself out of a corner just now. Thank you very much for joining us on BAMS Radio this Wednesday. I'm going to pass it off to Carrie Clark so I can get our first guest. <laughs> it is uh, one minute after the hour. Wherever you are, as Thomas uh, Watts of Tustin, Alabama Magazine, back in Mobile, Dancing what I can only assume to be the Mexican polka. Uh, exactly. We are joined I was like, by, okay, he hit the wrong button. Yes. Yeah, uh, no. This is Kerry Clark with Scout.com and BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and you are listening to another edition of BAMS Radio. And we do have a guest coming up in just a few moments, uh, Alabama Commitment uh, Makai Brown of Columbus, Georgia. He'll be joining us as soon as Thomas makes the connection with him. And then next hour, uh, we will be joined uh, for the full hour by John Garcia of BamaMag.com and Scout.com. John will be reporting uh, for us exclusively from the opening, where Alabama, Drew, has uh, been dominating. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, got, we got a little uh, Montana to Rice cooking up today, Barnett to Calvin Ridley. Jock West Patrick is also on that squad, as is Damian B1 Harris, uh, two of the top backs in the country, two of the top backs on Alabama's board. Uh, kind of luck of the draw there all together, but that's nice. They won their first game, have not heard what the results have been thus far afterwards, but, you know, they've, uh, they 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 won 20-14. to 14. You know, Ridley and uh, Blake Barnett were really hooking up, really had some nice chemistry going. And, again, you know, you've got ten committed kids down there, one I consider a private in Daron Payne, and then several other targets like Matt Burrell and Drew Richmond. So it's a, a big time for Alabama, big time crimson flavor in Beaverton, Oregon, Gary. And, Drew, for those that haven't seen it, why don't you walk them through what you and I have seen on video regarding Calvin Ridley's one-handed catch. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, it's spectacular. A little bit of a go route yesterday. Uh, you know, he, uh, he early in their workout, he reaches up, you know, with one hand, snares about a 40-yard bomb. Uh, you know, and then turns and plays to the cameras. Luckily, there was a lot of, you know, media down there to capture it. Scout.com, I thought, had the best. Scott Kennedy had the best uh, video of it. I watched several different ones. But, you know, it was just, and it got a lot of oohs and ahs from the people uh, watching. And, uh, I mean, I think Calvin has now proven himself to be, you know, one of the top receivers, if not the top in the country. He went to the IMG 7-on-7 seven seven and was spectacular. And then thus far, you know, has been uncoverable at the opening against some of the best players in America. So he's the real deal. I thought he was watching his film. You know, I had people tell me that he, he might not run the fastest 40. But as we talked about, you know, with Dennis Guy last week, Kerry, I think the 40 can be overrated in some cases. Well, Drew, I'll tell you somebody that's not overrated, and uh, he is waiting on hold right now. Why don't you introduce our first guest? Absolutely. Well, we're honored tonight on BAMS Radio we put out the uh, the tweet to, to get him on the show, and uh, he, he decided to come on with us. You know, he, he's one of the more popular commits in the 2015 class, along with Beyonce Thompson. He really got the ball rolling. But we're honored to be uh, joined by 
the defensive end, Jack, outside linebacker, Makai Brown of Columbus Carver High School tonight on BAMS Radio. Welcome, Makai. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm great. How about you? I'm doing really well. Well, you know, we're honored for you to join us. I mean, you, you've been one of the more active kids on Twitter. That's how we I figured we could get you on the show. You, you've done a lot of recruiting for Alabama since you've made your decision so early in the process. But I guess, yes, first sir. of all, for our audience who may not be as familiar with you as a football player, First of all, give them your current height and weight and kind of what high school and where you're from and, and just a little bit about yourself as a football player. Oh, I'm 6'6", six, six, I weigh 225, 230. I go to George Washington Carver High School at Columbus, Georgia. Um, my style of play, I'm quick off the ball. Um, I'm a player still raw. He's getting stronger. Uh, he works very hard. He's a team player. Um, just, he just loves to win. Well, and I, and I know it's got to be a little bit tough because – and did you did you, uh, did you you go to any of these NFTC combines? Because I really would have thought you were going to be in the opening with uh, as high profile as you've been. Has it kind of been tough? Have you been watching any of the openings that kind of – I know you you consider yourself, you know, one of the best, you know, players in the country, not being able to compete yes, down there. How has that been? Um, I feel like I should have been invited. I got invited to the Rivals five-star camp in Baltimore. I got invited to that. But I feel like um, I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. Yeah, that's probably why I'm not there. And I, don't, I really don't want to speak on it, but uh, I'm just part of the guys that are there, uh, especially all the Alabama commit. Makai, this is Kerry Clark with uh, Scout.com and BamaMag.com. We appreciate you joining us tonight, man. Oh, no problem. Uh, don't tell many people this, but I was actually uh, born there at St. Francis Hospital, not too far from you, many, many really? moons ago. Ended up growing up in Montgomery, uh, so I just tell everybody I'm from Montgomery because I went to Alabama. But truth be told, the birth certificate says St. Francis Hospital, Columbus, Georgia. So I'll throw that little bit of nugget out there for our listeners. So what's up, fellow Columbus native? <laughs> oh, I'm great, man. Uh, I'm just living life, working hard. Bless. All right. Well, I'll tell you a question that I like to ask uh, all our defensive uh, commitments that come on the show. Uh, yes, sir. Looking back on your varsity career, uh, why don't you tell us about the hardest you were able to hit a quarterback during a ball game? Ooh, I would have to say probably last year we played, uh, I think it was Southwest making or Central making. I love with the quarterback. It was pretty bad. I'm surprised he got up. But um, I've had some hard hits in games. But with me, I'm still working on my tackling anyway. So I thought when I get Alabama, I'd be pretty good at it. I think uh, there might be a situation to rise while you're at Alabama where uh, a young man from another Carver, a Carver of Montgomery, named Jeremy Johnson, might be dropping back for Auburn. And uh, let's just say, for example, you uh, you whipped the left tackle pretty good and you got a clean shot on Jeremy from the other Carver. What, what's next? He's going to be on his back. That is how it is. I mean, I know he's, he's about my height. He's a big guy. But he's going he's gonna to get put on his back. Well, he needs to. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, Drew. Makai, I, I just really wanted to kind of – we had, since we've never spoken with you before, you know, you've been committed for a long time to Alabama, and obviously yes, you've sir. got a really good relationship to do so, to do so with, with the coaching staff. Talk about, first of all, your relationship with Nick Saban, and how often do you speak with Coach Saban? Oh, uh, Coach Saban, me and Coach Saban are pretty cool. Never uh, down there, we speak. Um, he just tells me it's a stay level and he's ready for me to come down. 
And obviously, another guy. Now, is your lead recruiter, who is your lead recruiter for Alabama for the audience? Um, Kirby Smart and Colts um, still. That's what I thought it was Kirby, but I wanted to, to, to have you confirm that. I, and he, he, he's the defensive uh, coordinator. And, um, and talk about your relationship with him. Obviously, he's been recruiting you for a long time. He's known you for a long time. How close are you with Kirby Smart, and how's your relationship with with him? Uh, me and Coach Smart, man, we talk like every – I talk at least once a week um, just to check on me. I also talk to, I talk to Coach LaPoy, too, that guy that just came from uh, Washington. So, me and him, mm-hmm. we're pretty cool, too. He just joking around on Twitter and things like that. And that's a, I'm glad you brought that up because Coach LaPoy is a guy that is known, is renowned for working with pass rushers and defensive linemen. Have you met yes, him sir. personally in person yet, or in, and if not, and if so, what kind of person is he for the audience? We have not met Coach LaPoy. Oh yes, I met him actually at A Day. I mean, he's down to earth, a uh, real good coach, very intelligent football wise, and just in life, man, he was a real good coach. Yeah, I've heard he's really personable. That 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 that, that jives with what I've heard, and uh, mm-hmm. and just and I and 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 also for the for the for our listeners, uh, just kind of talk about why you chose Alabama as early as you did. Because I mean, I met you at A Day a couple of years ago. I think you had pretty yes, much I remember. not I remember. committed. You were, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We shook hands, and you were one of the first kids I met. I, the first thing I thought was, you know, the, you reminded me of of uh, one of the uh, of, 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 of just a rangy, tall defensive end that I feel like we could develop into a great edge pass rusher. I I remember telling a couple people, I was like, wow, you know, I I said, this guy's a taller Barkevious Mingo. And I really, (laughs) really impressive. But just kind of talk about why you decided on the University of Alabama so early in the process. I feel like it was, it was the perfect opportunity. I mean, the best school in America offered me so early and it shocked me. Uh, It was, it was unreal. So I feel like the coaching style was perfect for me. Uh, all the coaches work hard. Uh, the classes fit how they have my career. I want that I want to major in. Uh, I love the fans. I love the people. Uh, it just, it's a great vibe I get when I get down there. It gets better and better the more I visit. And one more part of that, you just brought up something. What is it that you want to major in? What have you decided you want to do career-wise? Uh, most likely, I'm most likely going to major in history or kinesiology. It's between the two. I have to jump in. I have a history degree from the University of Alabama. <laughs> the department is awesome. And we see where oh, yeah. that got you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good, man. Well, I, I guarantee you, uh, history uh, is going to be uh, a, little, a little bit easier to pass the exams and all. Kinesiology, man, memorize all them bones and joints. I don't recognize wish that on anybody. But that being said, I wanted to ask you, Makai, uh, who are some of the other uh, fellow commitments out, out of this uh, 19-man number one ranked class that you've gotten to be good friends with so far? Um, I'm based. I've basically met them all. Um, I'm cool with all the Georgia commits, of course. Uh, I'm also cool with Dalen, Deontay. Uh, me and Richie, we've talked before. The uh, Shares is more of a quiet one. He's real quiet. Lester's pretty cool. I mean, all, everybody, everyone's pretty cool. We, I'm glad you mentioned about being tight with the Georgia commitments because uh, I, I'm going to be real honest with you, Makai. Uh, Alabama hadn't had a lot of luck in Tucker, and our fans right. are concerned our fans are very concerned about hanging on to, to, to John Ledbetter between now and signing mm-hmm. day. Uh, what is he telling you about that? 
I think I think he'll stay. I mean, I don't Georgia would not be a good move for him in my opinion. I feel like Georgia Georgia everyone tells me that Georgia doesn't like they don't they don't push their players or things like that. I've been told that from guys that were getting recruited from Georgia. Like Alec Lamar told me that. He was like they don't they don't push their players hundred percent. So I don't think it's a good move for him. I feel like Alabama would be perfect for him. He's a perfect defensive tackle. And three four scheme. And it- Exactly, and has he mentioned anything? I'm talking still about John. Has he mentioned anything to you about how Alabama did his teammate right, Elisha Shaw, taking him on scholarship, even though he might not be able to play anymore? I feel like I feel like I should like tell him everything right there. That's the perfect school. I mean, they they're going to stay with him and with Elijah. I hope he can play again. Yeah, that that's a that's a, an excellent point. I th- I think Alabama you know, played their cards right with Eliza Shaw. They stuck by him. I think a lot of people, he kind of got forgotten because of the injury, but he would have been right. a, you know, a, a four and a, a high four, five-star level player. Alabama was very interested in him uh, before he got yeah, injured. Yeah. And, I, and and you, uh, you're obviously very familiar with him because since you, you keep up with recruiting a lot with yourself, uh, yes, Makai. But I, I, I wanted to ask you too, there's been a lot of, talk with you. you, you what, just for, so our listeners know, what all camps have you gone to this summer? Uh, I know I believe you've been to Alabama, but where have all of you been this summer so far in spring? Uh, I've been to Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, Indiana, uh, Mississippi State. I'm going to Mississippi State and Alabama this coming week. Uh, okay. Where's Alabama? Um, NC State, uh, North Carolina. That's it for this summer. And Ohio State, I ran a 4.53 and a 4.62. Yeah, we we heard about that. So uh, there was a lot of you – know, well, we've heard that Notre Dame and Ohio State impressed you a lot. What what, what impressed you about those two places? Oh, really just the tradition. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, Notre Dame has a lot of history. But I feel like Alabama was home. I came in my senses. I was like, I committed to Alabama. That's where I'm going. And plus, both schools are too far away. And I, and another thing, are you I, because you decided so early in the process, and I, you seem academically oriented. Are you going to enroll early at Alabama in January, or what is your uh, academic plan? Um, that was my goal, but like our, our classes got changed to seven classes, so we were not having like four like regular classes. Five is four credits. But now we're going to like a seven class, like year round schedule. So I, I won't be able to leave. Makai, uh, I'm sure y'all have already discussed this between Coach Steele and Coach Smart and all, but uh, what position are they telling you you're going to start out as? Um, Jack linebacker. So that's the hybrid defensive end linebacker. You do a little bit of rushing the passer every now and then, you drop back in coverage. Uh, yes, are you sir. having to drop back in coverage at all right now? I do a little bit at my high school. I know I did a lot last year, but this year I'm just going to be more on the line. And I know something that I think our listeners would be interested to know. I know I would, because uh, when you first committed, most of us, myself included, were pronouncing your name Mecky, like the act, like the actor Mecky Pfeiffer. Uh, yes, but sir. actually it's Mackay. Uh, we know yes, that sir. now because we've gotten to know a lot more about you since you committed. But tell us how you got that name. Well, my mom used to love Makai Pfeiffer. So she was like, um, that's why she named him Makai. So I was like, wow, mom. 
Well, my mom, you probably never heard of this guy, but my mom was a big Cary Grant fan. He was an actor back in the day. That's, that's how I got yes, my name. Sir. Oh, have you? Okay. Well, that's how I got my name. Yes, my name is easy to remember in Mackay. It's Cary as in Grant, <laughs> Clark as in Kent. Easy to remember. <laughs> and so, and I, and I wanted you to talk about it. So you did go to the five-star challenge, but well, how, talk about well, your I, I didn't, I didn't there go, I didn't even go to that. Oh, you I didn't, didn't. Even go to okay, that. you got invited. I thought you, I thought yes, you had sir. attended. I, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. I, I knew a few of the guys that went there, but I didn't really see. Didn't follow the event, so you did not end up going to that event. Oh uh, no, sir. I mean, my family. I have family in Maryland, but uh, my parents saw here. Right. That's why I didn't go. Oh, okay. I understand. So, <laughs> have you have you gone to any combines at all, or have you just been going to like team visiting the schools and uh, their camps? They just didn't go to schools. And just like I've worked out, I only had two schools because they've never seen me like mm-hmm. worked out. So really, I've just been on the road to trying to help my teammates. So I really try to get them offers. I understand that. And where, which schools did you work out at? Was it Ohio State and Notre Dame? Yes, sir. Okay. And and you said you ran the forties, the four five three, and the four six two. Was that at Ohio State? Yes, sir. Okay, I can understand why you got the offer. That's tremendous times at that height and weight. But uh, and I guess another question I want to ask you is you the old the old saying is you only get better. You don't you don't yeah you get better you get worse. What is what what right now? First of all, what do you think your strengths are as a football player? And the second part of the question is what do you think you need to work on? With me, I feel I have good speed. I use my length well. Uh, I feel like once I just get the hang of jumping back in coverage and going faster people, I feel like sky's the limit for me. And you know, and what and what do you think you really need to improve on as a player? With me just is constantly doing drills with faster guys, like covering faster guys, one on ones on the field with people. Just really just training for it, just training how quick the feet. Makai, I'm glad you mentioned that just now about uh, helping your teammates to also get offers. Uh, we always like to look down the road a little bit on this show. Why don't you tell us yes, about sir. some of the guys uh, that are maybe a year or two behind you that you also think would be D1 guys off of Carver? Um, a guy named Brian Calhoun, uh, Giovanni Moore. He has like four offers already. He was a Max Preps All-American as a freshman. Uh so a couple guys, a couple corners, Jacoby Hatcher, Jacoby Hatcher, Javante Smith. Um, he fights for the committee of Indiana. Both of them are. So yeah, we have a lot of young guys that are pretty good. Yeah, that, you bring up Giovanni Moore. That's a great point. I've seen a little bit of film on him. He's a tremendous-looking kid for that young. Right. He looks like a Mike linebacker. Is he going to be? Are any of these young men going to be coming with you to the camp uh, at Alabama this week? Yes, I've got I've got to mention Juwan Pass too. Oh yes, absolutely, and a quarterback athlete, I believe. Oh yeah. And, and uh, uh, so, how many are? Forty for No, I was going to say, go ahead. I mean, I was just going to ask if Giovanni Moore and some of those guys were going to be coming with you. Yes, sir. Uh, I think it'll be me, Kane, Kane Pass, Juwan Pass, Gio. Uh, I think T.J. London, too, 2016 kid. Tremendous. Getting all this and what I, Yeah, I'm, I'm getting it. I definitely I, I definitely want to speak with Giovanni Moore. He's somebody uh, He's. It's going to be definitely highly sought after in the future. I mean, he's a big physical kid. 
I was I was just amazed when I read about him uh, this past spring and saw a little bit of huddle film. He's going to be a really fine player. And I just wanted to ask you, obviously you're probably not going to work out, Makai, but what what are you hoping to get out of the experience of the Alabama camp this, uh, this, this go-round? Um, if I do work out, I mean, I just know the campus is hell. I mean, they push you hard. So if I do work, I might just do the drills and might not do the fourth quarter part. But uh, if I don't work out, I'm just going to try to recruit and just watch my other teammates and just see what they do. Makai, uh, Drew and I are old enough, both of us, uh, to to remember Coach McGee from when he played at uh, Auburn. He's, is he still the head coach at Carver? He is not. Oh, no, sir. He's, oh, okay. he's been gone. Yes, sir. Oh, you didn't ever play for him? I played for him until the uh, spring of my sophomore year, and he went to Auburn. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Who's y'all's head coach now? Uh, coach Joseph Kegler. Kegler. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a guy that's a he's a he's a veteran as far as from what I've heard, Makai. He's been around a while. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Well, and, and I also I wanted to ask you, you know, who all, you know, you, you've seen how the Alabama class, you know, it's number one by far right now. They just they got a few pieces left to add. But uh, do you have anybody specifically that you that you're targeting that you would like to get into the class at Alabama? Uh, yes, Darren Payne, the defensive tackle of Shades Valley. Uh, Darren Payne. Hopefully we get a. Uh, hopefully we get two uh, defensive tackles. That would be pretty good. I gotta yeah, tell you this story, Makai. Well. I go to uh, I go to a lot of ball games on Friday nights, looking at kids yes, that are considering us. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, this is a true story. I, I went to scout uh, Darren Payne, and uh, they were playing Hewitt Trustful, another local school here in the Birmingham area. And mm-hmm. they hand the ball off to a running back on a sweep. And uh, so Payne busts through the hole and picks up the kid on about the hash mark. Just picks him up off the ground. Don't tackle him yet. Walks over <laughs> the sideline, walks over the sideline, and just kind of deposits him on the ground right there in front of the coach. <laughs> I was like, dang, this guy's a nose guard doing that? So I was very impressed with him physically. But I gotta tell you, he's got a teammate, and you probably met him—a young man named Keith Mixon, not the biggest guy in the world. I've, I've heard of his name. Man, he's a touchdown a, machine. I heard, I heard he's, I heard he's underrated. Yeah, I he's think he is. Player. It's because of his size. He's about probably five eight, five nine. But man, mm-hmm. he can fly. And something like between kickoff returns, punt returns, reverses, and catches, he averaged something like fourteen and a half yards every time he touched the ball last year. It's crazy. Well, and I wanted to ask you about your relationship with another coach, Makai, because he hasn't been on the field that long. He, he was in an off-field role for a couple of years. But how is your relationship? He's your, since he's your secondary recruiter, how, 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 what about your relationship with Kevin Steele? How's your relationship with Coach Steele? Man, Coach Steele is so cool. I mean, every time I go down there, uh, he, he just comes and hugs me. And he just feel the love from him. He's a real good coach. He's coaching the linebackers now. So those are going to be pretty good. And obviously, another strength of the Alabama staff is, you know, relating to, the, to your family and your parents and stuff like that. Well, how is your family's relationship with the Alabama staff? Are they 
Uh, I know that they, they've been obviously been able to go to a lot of places. You've been visiting a lot of schools, but how is the relationship with your family and the staff? Um, they talk to them periodically. About, about how I talk to them, and my dad talks to Coach Smart a lot. So we we keep in contact. And I guess the one of the last questions. Obviously, you, everybody wants to go out with a bang as a senior. What? Uh, and it sounds like you guys have a lot of good young players besides yourself on your squad. I mean, what are, what are your expectations for uh, you know uh, Carver Columbus, man? What what do, what do you guys uh, got in store for the season? Hopefully, well, I think we are going to win state. I'm not just talking. We have the athletes to do it. We have the coaching to do it. Uh, I feel like our our region. I think we have the best team in our region. I just can't wait to certain games that we have this year. But I know he's got to take it one game at a time. And I, I've know, you've been a fixture down there, you know, since you were committed. But are you planning on how many of the Alabama home games are you planning on making this season? Uh, I'm planning on all five of my official visits. So hopefully, I know I'm going okay. to uh, to the Iron Bowl. I know that for a fact. Okay. But uh, I'm taking officials also to uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, Florida State, and I think um, what school was it? Alabama, Florida State. I don't even remember. I, I would have said I was going to say Southern Cal, so you could see the West Coast. <laughs> have a free trip, but uh, one little piece of advice: uh, when you get down to Tallahassee, uh, stay out of Publix grocery store. Oh, here we go. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but so and are, do you plan on uh, so you, you plan on the official to Alabama, the FSU, to Ohio State, Notre Dame? Are you planning on visiting Georgia? Are they under consideration at all? Not at all, no sir. Wow, that's big. I mean, for an in-state kid. But uh, well, Makai, man, we really appreciated you coming on tonight. Uh, we had you for about twenty twenty-five minutes, and it's been it's been it's advertised. We heard you really like to. You, you, you play the to, to deal with the media, and we appreciate it. We always appreciate uh, guys coming on with us, and uh, you seem to enjoy uh, the the t- Twitter and the and just the, the experience. And I think that's the way to handle it. Uh, and, and you know, you've uh, you've handled it well since for for two years. I mean, you've been uh, kind of front and center, and we just appreciate you coming on with us. We hope to stay in touch with you, see how you're doing. Your we may bring you on during your senior season to see how you're doing, and uh, just we appreciate you coming on BAMS tonight, man. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it, Makai. Roll Tide. Right. Roll Tide. That was Makai Brown, star uh, outside linebacker slash defensive end from Carver High School of Columbus, Georgia. And uh, I, I got to give Makai a shout-out. I know Thomas appreciates this. Uh, apparently, uh, he was our second straight caller, counting Brian Clemson last week. Uh, calling from a landline, boy, what a what a difference it makes, right? Yeah, absolutely, clear as day. When when he picked up the phone, my first thought was, "Wow, this is going to be a good call. This sounds great." <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was either a landline or the greatest cell phone in the history of talk radio. I'm going with A. <laughs> good interview, though. Uh, Thought about bringing Medea on, but I decided against it. Maybe next well, we time. Saw, we saw Medea on Facebook today, so we figured you'd have Medea. <laughs> well, I almost did it, but I was like, yeah, maybe maybe when we get him again, I'll do it. I really should. <laughs> well, that's all right. We, I, I I gave her a little. I, I'm giving her a little bit of time off. We'll bring her back though at some point for sure. She would uh she she would have had a good time with him. <laughs> so y'all, my man, you out to Makai Fiverr, huh? <laughs> 
I thought it was Mecky Fife for all these years. Oh well. <laughs> Remember when he broke in on ER way many, many, many moons ago. Back in the young days of it. But anyway, uh you know, it was interesting that you mentioned that uh Makai is extremely active on social media, Drew. Um you know, the big thing with kids right now is uh something called edits. Uh what we used to call Photoshop, but I guess it's gotten a lot fancier now, so it's edits. So why don't you uh, tell our listeners, Drew, about the edits that the uh, Alabama marketing staff came up with for our commitments at the opening? Yeah, you know, we I showcased those in my piece this morning from uh, the opening, and uh, they they did a great job of they made you know ten posters basically of uh, the, of all the committed guys. It's a it's something that you can do. It's a legal thing to do. All the they have ten commits at the opening, so they sent them all a personalized poster in their Bama jerseys, in a, in a, in a certain pose, uh, you know. And they, they were just really nice, really, really well done. The graphics are really uh, legit. Uh, Blake Barnett is kind of going, you know, viral. Uh, but, of course, you know, they also uh, – I was able to find Dallas Mormax, Montrell Custis, uh, you know, all these guys. It was just, they, they were, it was just a, it was a great thing, great thing to see. And uh, very savvy by Alabama's, you know, football staff. And I think Tyler Shisky and a lot of those guys have a lot to do with that. Makes each guy feel special going into the opening because they're part of a special fraternity, you know, of being in the number one class right now in the country. Calvin Ridley was going viral last night after that sick catch. So it was just a really well done by Alabama's uh, recruiting uh, office and a very savvy, great job. And I want to remind our listeners of, the last couple of weeks we've been so busy we didn't really do this, but we would like to hear from you, our listeners, uh, Marty, anybody else, bring the pain, whoever wants to call in. That number, if you don't already have it in your phone, put it in there now, 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707. Call us in. Oh, we'll chat up any topic that you would like to here on BAMS Radio. Uh, we are currently at uh, half past the hour, and we're going to be joined in 30 minutes by John Garcia of Scout.com, who is out there covering the opening, and he'll have a lot more tidbits from us there. But speaking of tidbits, since our last uh, BAMS radio broadcast uh, seven days ago, the good folks at AlabamaIntel.com, that's Redfish, Drew, and uh, Freddie and the rest of the crew, have put up some uh, interesting articles, two of them, kind of a part one and a part two, uh, basically seven-on-seven, strength and conditioning, team discipline, that kind of thing. So why don't we start out, Drew, talking about um, some of the highlights of those stories on AlabamaIntel.com, beginning with the most pressing thing, I guess, right now, uh, and at least the people that worry about such things, the uh, complete background and the current team situation of Kenyon Drake. Yeah, absolutely, Kerry. You know, that's been well documented. Uh, Kenyon Drake, you know, was arrested just a, a few days ago, you know, for uh, a government obstruction. Basically, he wanted to have access to his car. Uh, you know, he had parked in downtown Tuscaloosa. Uh, they had, there was a shooting, which he was not involved in. They had roped off the area, could not give him access to his car. He did not take kindly to that, wanted to leave the scene. Uh, and challenged the police department, not, not very smart, and he got rightly arrested for it. It was only a $1,000 bond. We have good sources of Alabama Intel. He's not going to be, despite the fact that, as everybody knows, the last year and a half, 
He's had his run-ins with discipline. He's not going to be uh, dismissed from the football program. He will have to do a lot of 6 a.m. running. He will, and you know, he's going to have to do extra running. But he will be on the football team. But as the best way to equate it, Kerry, is if a cat has nine lives, Kenyon has used eight, and so he's on his last leg. I have some new information today as well. You know, we did not. It's not in the two report. Got got a phone call this this uh, lunchtime today from a very good source. There was a team meeting today. You know. Kevin Elko spoke to the football team, and then afterwards, Blake Sims got up to speak. He's been taking on a big-time leadership role and basically read the riot act to Kenyon Drake, told him to get in line or get out, and basically not just with this situation with the police department with the obstruction, but he's also been missing workouts, a few workouts and meetings, and so Kenyon Drake is on extremely thin ice and is on the verge of wasting a golden opportunity if he does not clean his act up. That's awesome information that you just imparted about Blake Sims. Uh, what a dynamic leadership role that kid's been taking. Whether or not he wins the job, he is making his mark in this offseason, Drew. He really is. and I mean, he's, he's stepped up as a leader. He's been teaching Jacob Coker, who, as we've reported at Alabama Intel after the first week, has looked tremendous. But Blake is doing what Blake needs to do. He's not allowing it to go, you know, him to just take the job. He's working hard. He's worked out with a quarterback coach. As a great source gave, told us this week, he has, uh, and we had it in the report, he is still pushing Coker. He's making throws he could not make earlier in the spring. And you just, you, uh, you feel good about a kid like Blake Sims that he wants to win. And uh, basically today, after Blake Sims got up and spoke, then Christian Jones spoke, and he will be going to SEC Media Days next week. He he uh, he spoke in front of the team, and then looked at Nick Saban when he finished, and said, "Coach, um, we're going to we're going to take care of last season." And so basically, Saban didn't really say a whole lot. The football team did the talking, and so far, so good on the leadership uh, from the leadership aspect, Gary. Landon Collins, Amari Cooper, and Christian Jones will be the three Alabama representatives at Media Days. Uh, Alabama hasn't sent a wide receiver for about a dozen years. They're sending two this year. That's phenomenal in itself and tells you a little bit about how things have changed at the Capstone. But I wonder how many people at the uh, Media Days are going to try to get Christian Jones to do his Nick Saban imitation. I'm sure it's going to be on the docket, and Christian Jones likes to – Likes to talk. He's very personable. And I think a big reason why Christian Jones is going to carry is his special teams aspect. Oh, yeah. He's, he's by far uh, the, the, the strength of the special teams coming back. And he, he, you can say he's as good as any returner in the country. He had a great year last year returning kicks and punts. He can be counted on. But he's also a junkyard dog. He's played defensive back when needed, not in games but in practice. And he's somebody that's also a very good cover guy and gunner on the special teams. He blocks well on offense. He just does the whole – he does it all. And I think that's why he has a chance to play in the NFL because he's never going to put up eye-popping receiving numbers, Kerry, but he, he brings his lunch pail every day. You can count on him to contribute in all three phases of the football team, and I think he's somebody that Nick Saban trusts quite a bit. Without a doubt. And – um Somebody that Nick Saban could trust to never miss a meal is no longer with the team, and he has taken, according to you guys' intel, the midnight snack to a whole new level. Uh, talk about the departure and some of the details uh, with Brandon Hill. 
Yeah, Brandon Hill. You know, this is not, you know, a surprise. You know, we've, we've reported at Intel he's had an ongoing weight issue. I had people, you know, on Twitter uh, asking me, you know, well, you know, are you sure? I mean, why would he be leaving now? His weight was way down in the spring. The problem with Brandon Hill is his weight fluctuated wildly. And at the last report we had, he was back up to 392. He's somebody that drove, you know, Scott Cochran insane. Uh, Cochran, you know, is in charge of those guys trying to get their weight down. And, you know, it, it was just a situation where Nick Saban tried everything to help the young man. Uh, he spent $50,000 last summer to send him to a weight management facility in Arizona where he spent, uh, he was involved in an outpatient program or in a patient program there. Uh, he was there at least 30 days. I mean, he was there several for a while. And, you know, they tried to help the young man, tried to get him on the right track. It worked for a little while, but not long term. Ultimately, when he would go home, he would come back, eat his mother's cooking, gain 10 to 15 pounds. He just could not get his weight under control. It got to the point where at the end of spring, Coach Saban got Brandon Hill in front of the team and just said, guys, this is Brandon Hill. He's 25 pounds away from being a millionaire, and he does not have the self-discipline to help the football team. Why don't you give him the specifics on uh, his uh... – Midnight snacking using his uh, swipe card right. to gain access. Yeah, and this is legal card. now because NCAA legislated right. unlimited snacks. Uh, unlimited but, uh, snacks. So now with your swipe card, you have to have a swipe card to get into the complex. They have a great nutritional program. Everybody's talked about it. They have snacks available uh, you know, around the clock. Brandon Hill is one of your 12 midnight, 1 a.m. guys coming and, and, and eating extra meals uh, at night. Caught him on camera many a time. And he just could not get his weight under control. He's now been, they did not renew his scholarship. He's been released. Uh, you know, he's, he's a redshirt sophomore. He could end up at a junior college for a year uh, and then re-sign with another university. But if he cannot get his weight under control, I've heard people say he could end up at Ole Miss. That's who he chose. You know, he chose Alabama over Ole Miss. They recruited him heavily. He's not going to help anybody until he can get his weight under control. And for the young man, thanking for his health. Let's hope he can finally get his weight under control because I do think he has talent and ability. Andrew, without further ado, I want to bring on uh, our number one caller at BAMS Radio, the pride of Gadsden, Alabama, the Prince of Etowah County. Marty, what is going on, sir? Hey, guys, I tell you what, the last two weeks has just been jam-packed with some great information. I, I congratulate y'all guys for bringing all these good guests on. I mean, they bring yeah. some good stuff to the table. I mean, you know, as Alabama fans out here, we're hungry, and we love good stuff brought to the table that we can feast on. And I tell you what, y'all guys have really brought it. I congratulate you. Even though we didn't get to call in, that's no big deal. When you got that much information that you can put out there on the airways, I tell you what, you, you just can't beat that. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. We, we were trying to continue to take the show to the next level, and we're fortunate we get good callers like yourself. And then uh, Makai Brown, was. we reached out to Makai Brown on Twitter, had been trying to get a hold of the young man. He had changed cell phone numbers. He got back to me on a private tweet and decided to come on the show, and we really appreciate it. We thought he was a great interview. Uh, he's been one of the leaders of the class. And uh, obviously he's done, it, he's done his job. He, he, maybe he didn't go to the Rivals Five Star Council. He didn't get invited to the opening. But if you're six foot six. 225 pounds, and you block a 4.53 to 4.6240. Uh, in as long as range, as the young man is, because I have met him in person. Uh, Makai Brown is a legit big-time prospect. 
that's amazing. That is really amazing to have those kind of athletic ability and those, you know, be that physical. You know, but I tell you what, Fourth of July is over with. SEC Media Days next week. Football season is almost here. Thank God that football season is almost <laughs> here. I'm looking forward so for for it so much. It's unbelievable. You know, I got a couple of questions for y'all, the expert panel here. That I think y'all are probably closer to the program and recruiting than any other organization out there. Period. You know, but you know, what what do you think about? I'm hearing good things about Jacob Coper. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that these good things I'm hearing about him is true. And the second question is, is, the situation with Bo Scarborough, is he definitely going to be in this class? Yeah, I can shed some light on Bo Scarborough. I have a very good friend of this show who, who's been on several times, Rodney Orr, who talked to some people. I've also We've also got good sources at Alabama Intel. We've been reporting from the start that Bo Scarborough would have work to do, that he would have a good chance to qualify and wouldn't make it in probably right before the uh, fall camp situation. I still think that's the case. We hear, we had heard last week and we reported on Alabama Intel that he was waiting on the results of his ACT. He was going to, if he made it, if he got the two to three point bump, then he would, he would finish his online classes, which he was doing very well, but that would be insurance because the two to three point increase on his ACT would be good to go. But again, nice insurance with the uh, with the uh, in, the virtual online classes, and then he would still need to get through the clearinghouse. Well, he got the two to three points. He's finishing an online class. He should be in good shape. Has to get through the clearinghouse, but they feel pretty. They feel good about it. I still think they'll probably drag their feet like they did with Robert Foster. But that's why I'm thinking it's not going to be the fall camp. But it looks like Bo will be in the class. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to make, Marty, because of how far behind the eight ball he's going to be from the standpoint of not being in the off-season fourth-quarter program in the strength and conditioning. But Bo's a great athlete. It would be good, hopefully good to get him in the class. That, that would mean one signee, Montel McBride from Tampa, Tampa Florida. Uh, in Tampa, Florida, the offensive lineman is still unaccounted for. Tried to get in touch with him and his coach. Nobody's really talking. You've been hearing. I've been hearing that he's going to be he's taking some uh, summer school classes, trying to. He still had a chance to make it, but would not be surprised if he had to go the prep school or JUCO route. But again, the last man standing is Montel McBride. It looks like Bo is going to be in the class, and they're going to get just about everybody eligible, which is huge because as we reported, Alvin Mantel and Kerry alluded to in our report uh, this past uh, Monday. Uh, we got some information Monday night that the Alabama coaching staff thinks this is the most talented freshman class that they've ever had. And that's saying a lot when you consider uh, the GOAT Julio in that 2008 group. And, Marty, well, on, your question, on your Coke request, on your Coke request, Drew, uh, .com, uh Tyler Insider, everybody's hearing the same things, that every week that goes by, Coker looks better and better during the 7-on-7. Seven but like Drew pointed out, Blake is improving as well. So it's going to be a battle royale to the finish. It might even be a situation where you see them both play the first two or three games like you did Phillip Sims and A.J. a few years ago. We still think eventually the winner of the competition is going to be Coker, but you have to think they're going to find some kind of role, at least one or two series per half, for Blake Sims. That's that's my thought, Drew. Well, I agree with and that. And I hope they do. I hope. 
here's what I hope for Blake Sims' sake and all the reports you hear. I hope – I'm not usually in favor of this kind of thing, but I hope he has a role. What I mean by a role, I hope he gets on the field. I hope he makes a contribution. He's very popular among the players. He's handled everything with class. He did not leave. He has worked hard. He has helped Jacob Coker transition. He has continued to bust his tail. He called out King and Drake, which needed to be done. And, you know, you just hope for a guy like Blake Sims, he's going to be in the running for a team captain spot, but you hope that he gets on the field for some meaningful snaps in his fifth-year senior year and can make a a meaningful contribution, not just off the field for the football team, which he's already doing, but actually getting on the field in something besides mop-up You know, I think Bo Scarborough, you know, I don't care if he contributes this year. I just want him to get into the program, get into the academics that Alabama can help him with, and get you know just get involved because I really feel like they're going to need this young man down the road because you know if if uh, the running back uh, Yeldon has a great year this year you know more than likely I'm sure he'll test his waters in the pros and you know and Henry uh, will will come back next year and probably be a superstar but will go pro it's very important I think right now I mean even though we got Kenny Drake which is not dependable. You know, I think the young man's got the, one, some of the best talent uh, of any running back out there, but just don't know where this guy's head's at, if we can depend on him in the program going forward in the future. So I really think it's important for Bo to get in this class and get settled in. And also, as Drew has pointed out uh, before anyone else online has, uh, it, it hadn't been the greatest offseason for Tyron Jones, Drew. Oh, Lord. You know, Tyron Jones right now is not in the program, Marty. He's uh, he's been right. he's been enrolled in a off season in a scared straight drug program. You know, he had his second failed drug test. He's a young man that's had issues with class attendance, had issues with some some drug use. Uh, he's very talented. I think he's you know he's a guy that can play football, can play winning football, but he's he's uh, he's not on he's not you know going to be dismissed from the program. But they're trying to help the young man. Hopefully this is going to work, but once he gets done with this, it's going to be about a 21-day stay. Hopefully uh, he will be he will turn over a new leaf. And uh, he did have some uh, classroom issues at the end, uh, attendance issues and grade issues at the end of spring practice. They, they weren't satisfied with his academic progress. But hopefully Tyron Jones can you know can, can step it up. Otherwise, you know he could be on the on the on the short list to be out of out of the program. Same way with Kenyon Drake. And, you know, but luckily Alabama's recruited well, as you said, T.J. Yeldon, only sophomore in history to rush for, you know, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, he did have a few issues with fumbles, but he's a really good football player, a guy, a kid, very good kid, never giving him any trouble, uh, does things the right way. And then Derrick Henry, everybody's just excited about his potential, the way he finished the season in the bowl game. You know, he, they didn't showcase him a lot in the scrimmages, but they didn't really need to. I'm just anxious to see what kind of role he plays. And, you know, if, that's a huge if, if Kenyon Drake can finally show maturity, uh, you know, we reported Alabama Intel, you know, they have some plans for all three of them. They have a formation, to me, that's really going to mess with a lot of people in college football when you have them all three on the field at one time, when you split out uh, Yeldon and and, uh, Kenyon Drake and put Derrick Henry in in the backfield by himself. That's a lot of a lot of three big time weapons you have to defend, and I still think King and Drake could be a really ultimate weapon in the passing game. And you hope that he's able to, you know, 
get on the straight and narrow and realize his potential because he's a guy that has a unique skill set, just like Derrick Henry with his size and speed, but the quickness and explosion of Kenyon Drake is unlike any Alabama's had in Nick Saban era, and you just hope he can finally channel his off-the-field and, and, you know, difficulties in the right direction and live up and just do the right things because the sky is the limit for King and Drake. Everybody saw it last year. The only thing he did wrong on the football field was fumble the football. If he can protect the football and get his act together off the field, King and Drake can be an ultimate weapon. Hey, guys, I trust what y'all say, too, and I trust what y'all bring to the table because I know you do the research and I know you're out there and you feel the pulse of the recruits out there, but what do you feel about Payne? Because I, I think this this young man, I want him in this class so bad. I, I really, uh, I'm hoping. I heard something. I, if I misunderstood, I'm sorry. But I heard something that he thought maybe he's a private commit. But but you know maybe I took that wrong. Is Darren Payne going to be in this class? Well, you know I'll, I'll speak on it first and let Kerry speak on it because I know he he talks to people. But I'll be shocked if he's not. To be honest with you, Marty. He's been a priority from the start. Uh, there's been people now that have said, well, you know, maybe he's not going to be at the top of the defensive tackle board. There's only one kid that I've seen thus far, and Deron is still a work in progress. He still has to play hard every snap. He does need to drop weight. But there's one defensive tackle that I've seen that I like better, and he's not coming to Alabama. They tried to recruit him. He's reaffirmed to Texas A&M. That's Daylon Mack, who I interviewed. Great kid from a spectacular family. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a native Texan. He's been committed to Texas A&M for a long time. He gave some thought, had a good relationship with Bo Davis, gave some thought about visiting Alabama in, uh, in June for August at the OLDL camp, decided not to. But, you know, right now, Daylon Mack, is a, I watched him at the opening. He's down there. There's, I was laughing. I think there's eight linemen down there, and Alabama may sign four or five of them at this rate. I mean, they, they've got two committed. They've got a, in Lester Cotton and Richie Pettibon, who's been very good. And then they've got a good chance, or a real very, very good chance that they're on pain. And then you've got guys like Matt Burrell, who's going to be visiting in July very soon, an offensive lineman who has held his own and looked like he is a good player. They could make a, if they wanted to, they could make a run at Darrell Williams. He's there from Bessemer City. But I don't think they're going to offer that young man, but he's a good football player. But, you know, it's just it's, it's very, and then a Jonathan Ledbetter's there. So, and he's, a, and he's a commitment. So Alabama is just in very good shape uh, on the line of scrimmage, which is where you win a football game. And, again, I will be shocked if they don't get Deron Payne, who, you know, visited Alabama much more than Auburn. I think he's going to come back to the camp in July. We're going to see this one in a few days. But Deron Payne is going to fixture at Alabama. And as I was told, his mother has Alabama tags on her car. So I feel pretty good about the situation. And something else, Marty, to make you feel a little bit better about Payne. I agree with everything Drew said. Two quick things. Number one, the, the, the people I know that follow Shades Valley closely feel like it's at least 80-20 Alabama over Auburn, at least for Payne. And number two, and perhaps more importantly, Marty, uh, D- Deron Payne is kind of a shy kid. He doesn't really make new friends that easily. He He's has been interviews, a lot of them. <laughs> right, but he has uh, spent most of his time this week at the opening hanging out with Alabama commitments. Right. That's great news. Hey, you know, one thing, I, uh, for a few weeks back, you know, when uh, Tyler Carr, I told you he's going to commit to Auburn because I knew I right. had information on that. But, you know, I'm going to put a reference to Tyler Carr, and I'm going to compare him to somebody that Alabama signed that had so much upside that it was a five-star. And his name was also Tyler. 
Tyler Love. Never panned out for Alabama. Was a five-star, you know, uh, from here in Alabama. I can't remember exactly what school, uh, school it was. But, you know, I compare Tyler Carr to him, and I give the same prediction for him. Mountain Brook is where Love went. Uh, That's exactly I right. Thought, I, I thought you were going to say he was going to be the next William Barger. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I think I'll he'll, I think he'll take the same road. He's but anyway, guys, from a really good family, Marty, but he just likes the frat, the, the, the fraternity lifestyle. Is all I'll say about it. He didn't have a killer. Yeah, I don't think he had the meanness. I don't have. I don't think he had the meanness to him that that you he need didn't. that drive. Uh, and I think the same way with Tyler Carr too. Good, great kid. Tyler Carr is a great kid. Don't get me wrong, he is. But I just don't think he's got that meanness and that drive to be a superstar at tackle or anything. But, guys, I'm going to get off here and let somebody else call in. And i tell you what, great show. And I, I miss I miss Legend hearing his voice every now and then. I miss Bird. And, you know, and I, and I wish the best for them. And I hope, you know, give them a shout-out for me. And uh, congratulations on a great show, guys. Thank you, Thank Marty. You. Appreciate it. It's a, it's, a, it's a work. It's a labor of love for sure. Every week, uh, we do have a few more minutes before we take our next break. Uh, getting back to the uh, Alabama Intel uh, off-season report, Drew, uh, talk about what I thought was some sort of surprising news because I thought it was Reggie Ragland. Turns out somebody else is getting the first-team reps at linebacker opposite Trady Priest. It, it, it shouldn't come as a shock because you know I was told by a good friend of mine here in. I'm based in Huntsville. Reggie had come home and, you know, had been and had been telling some people he felt really good about the season, that if he played well, he might even have a chance to go to the NFL. And as I told my buddy, I said, he needs to be worried about number 10. He needs to be worried about holding off Reuben Foster. Because if Reuben, everybody realizes if Reuben can get past ducking his head and get better fundamentally as far as tackling, that he has superhuman ability. I mean, I'll still say, Kerry, and I've been following this. I've known you, you don't remember me back then, but I've known you since the, the Four Points Hotel in Tuscaloosa back when T.I. was like two years old. When Tyler so Watts been, was being recruited. Yeah, there you go. Tyler Watts, look, look, and Dre Fulgham, all that crew. I've been, right. doing, I've been following this deal for longer than that, since I was in high school. I was the one with, inside of his notebook, I had recruiting magazines. Well, anyway... I, the bottom line is Reuben Foster had as good a film as an inside linebacker his first two years at Troop County High School as any kid I've ever seen. And he did not play as a high level as a junior and senior, especially as a senior at Auburn High School. He was a little bit overweight. But he got his weight down, if you remember, for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. And I don't know if you remember the first play of that game. Oh, he decimated oh, the guy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, what about the play that you and I saw him make in the scrimmage on all t Oh. Yeah, all these, and then all these ten penny when he was a freshman. So I mean, that was like sucking the air out of the state. I mean, he knocked him to Northport, and and then all he got up, which is a big time credit to all True. So I mean, I just think I just think you know, Ruben has all American type ability, and what we what we reported at Alabama Intel is that he's he's we're running first team seven on seven at Will linebacker, and that he's got a GA work with him three days a week. On technique, just Ruben. On technique and tackling the right way, keeping his head up to stay on the field. And right now, as we were told, they, the coaches, the coaches love Ruben. The players love Ruben. He, they can. They, the, the term used is he's a monster, and they know he has superhuman ability. And 
to be honest, Kerry, if he could stay on the field, and I think if everybody remembers at A-Day, he was dominating before he did duck his head and took a shot from Kenyon Drake that gave him a concussion. But I will say this. If he can stay on the field and team with Trey Dupree, he can take Alabama's defense to a whole nother level because he has that kind of ability. One more thing for you before we take our next break. Uh, why don't you give the uh, listeners the good news about the uh, improving health of DeAndre White? Yeah, absolutely. DeAndre White coming back from everybody, as everybody knows, he had a foot injury at the end of last year, even though he played very well in the Sugar Bowl. He thought seriously about declaring for the draft. There was a lot of speculation he was going to leave. He has a young uh, child, and uh, he's, I don't believe he's married, but he's involved. And so he's, he was a guy who was thinking about trying to provide for his family and thought about leaving. Wisely spoke to the coaches and listened, came back, had a foot injury, had to have surgery, did not participate in spring practice at all except on the exercise bike. But he's completely healthy now and has been tremendous in seven-on-seven, seven, making at least one circus catch per day. And uh, with his skill set and the way he finished the year, Kerry, uh, with Amari Cooper going to be get, drawing so much attention from opposing defenses, the Andrew White can do damage and could be, it should be an NFL receiver. I think he's got that kind of ability. I've thought so since they signed him. It, it, he had some, you know, anxiety issues early in his career, but I think he's gotten better steadily every year, and he really finished strong. And I think he can have a great senior season opposite Amari Cooper, and they could have as good a, you know, dynamic duo as anybody in America. And then you've got O.J. Howard at tight end, so he could get lethal uh, as far as uh, from the receiving threats for Jacob Coker and or Blake Sims this coming season. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to be hearing next hour from John Garcia of scout.com, bamamag.com, who is reporting from the opening. Uh, So he'll have a lot of inside scoop about what's going on with the kids out there. Uh, But, again, you know, y'all feel free to call in if you've got any questions for John. He loves to take calls. Uh, We'll give the number again after the top of the hour. But uh, right now we're going to take a break, and we'll see you back in about two or three minutes here on BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Get ready for a touchdown of savings that will make you want to do your own end zone dance. dance. With Atlantic Bedding and Furniture. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture. Unlike the chain furniture stores, Atlantic Bedding and Furniture gives the Bama fan a choice. In fine furniture at super low prices. We have over 30,000 items always in stock. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture will have exactly what you need for your rec room, man cave, or however you wish to celebrate that latest Bama victory. Our selection includes Simmons, Serta, Broyhill, and other name brands at a fraction of what other chain stores charge. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture is close by in Pelham, Alabama on Highway 31. Come see us or check out our website at www.AtlanticBeddingAndFurniture.com. www.AtlanticBeddingAndFurniture.com. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture, the place to shop for great furniture deals with financing available. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle word On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up Good vibration, good vibration, good vibration, 
One minute after the hour, you're listening to BAM's radio on Blog Talk Radio. Kerry Clark here with Scout.com and BamaMag.com. Uh, Drew DiArmond joins us as always from AlabamaIntel.com back in the studio, uh, actually using civilized bumper music. I, 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 I mean, it's like we have, we have changed eras, and, and it's a good thing. Uh, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine did the research, came back, uh, saw who was listening, and uh, we're actually uh, – Listen to songs that people have heard before. People over 30 have heard before. <laughs> All right. So thank you for that, Thomas. And uh, we are joined uh, right now live from the opening uh, where he has been all week gathering tidbits of recruiting info galore. Now a regular contributor to BAMS Radio, my friend, my coworker, Mr. John Garcia of Scout.com and BamaMag.com. John, what is going on, sir? Kerry Drew, uh, it's always great to be on, and especially from the good old West Coast where it's still very sunny right now. I was going to say, it's got to be great weather over there. Nice, sunny, but but not too hot, I would think. Yeah, it's funny because people out here are like, oh, man, it's so hot. Like, I don't know where they're coming from, but it's about 83 degrees with a cool breeze, so I have no idea no. what they're talking about. It's pretty fresh so you're in me. Oregon, right, John? Yes. Yes, sir. Beaverton, Beaverton Oregon. Yep. That's uh, Just outside well, John, you know. Yep. Okay, outside Portland, great. Uh, you know, the, the big talk uh, on social media and the Internet has been the one-handed catch by Calvin Ridley. I'm sure you had a great angle. Scout had the best uh, photo. They did. Scout did have the best. The best video of it. Tell us about that play, John, because I'm sure you saw it up close and personal. Well, yeah, I mean, those who know me know I'm a, I'm a DB at heart. So, I, you know, I always am partial to DBs and wide receiver one-on-one if I get to pick. So naturally, day one was yesterday. So, of course, one-on-ones began, and here I go, scores receivers and DVs. And by the time Ridley made that play, he was already the talk of one-on-one, blowing by everybody. He just he has this second gear that, that you will not see in a 40-yard dash. You'll see it on tape, certainly, but out here it's just it's mind-numbing. Um, and it's the reason that these Amari Cooper comparisons are all over the place. Not only is he about the same size, but, you know, he's from South Florida, all that. But it's just something about, you know, when the lights are on, something clicks with this guy. And if you remember, Amari Cooper wasn't necessarily the best testing guy either. Uh, but, of course, once you turn on the game tape, you see something special. Ridley's that. So he already had quite the buzz before the one-headed catch, and I think he felt that he sensed it. He sensed that if he did one more thing, he would be the entire talk of day one. So sure enough, on his next rep, runs the nine route, gets behind the defender, and he's about seven or eight yards behind the guy already. And remember, folks, these are the top 162 prospects in the country. This isn't a 
this isn't a you know five foot eight, hundred and forty pound cornerback from you know a two A school. This is this is an all American candidate type player. Uh, so he's eight yards behind him, and he just sticks his hand up, probably a good twenty yards before the ball comes. And everybody's collective thought was, no, he's not going to keep his one hand up and haul it in. And sure enough, he hauls it in like that. Uh, you don't even hear it. I think that's the most impressive part. You didn't even hear the ball hit his hand. So he's got these huge, soft hands, and, and he knows that, that they're on the field. So once he did that, it kind of tore the house down. I actually got a good angle of it on my camera. I haven't posted that video yet. I'm going to save that for an end-of-the-week compilation of all things Calvin Ridley, but certainly um, we definitely wanted our, our guys, who the other guys who shot it, to get it up as quickly as possible. And, and like you said, it's been it's really been the talk of the opening, even here at day two after – even though some other guys are doing some, some big things, it's still it's still starting with Calvin Ridley, and he followed up day one with with a just as good day two. Another well, guy that seems to be getting a lot of good uh, press out there is quarterback commitment Blake Barnett. Absolutely, I actually just hit the publish button before calling in today. Um, another story that is centered around Barnett. We basically asked all of our national analysts to talk about guys who have impressed outside of their region, and the first one we did was uh, our Midlands analyst, Greg Powers, and the first guy he mentioned was Blake Barnett. You know, he said Texas has a really good quarterback class this year with guys like Jared Stidham, Kyler Murray, you know, uh, SEC-type guys, um, but it was Barnett who he thinks has been the best out here so far. Um, and, and the most important thing maybe for Alabama fans around Barnett is it's not that he's doing well. I think people anticipated that, you know, he was the first guy invited to the Elite 11 out of everybody. So back in January, he already knew that, you know, this week in Beaverton was going to be big. So for six months, we've known that he's a Elite 11 guy, but I think it's the improvements he's made from that January tryout to now that have really been the story. And more than four or five people I've talked to who have been in the business for a long time have all talked about his release and his delivery. Um, the mechanics have been tightened up. The release has been sped up. So not only is he making all the throws, as they say, but he's doing it quicker than he was six months ago. Uh, so if you think of a ceiling for a guy, you have to imagine how high it might possibly be if in six months he's made such big gains in just working with higher-profile coaches. So, of course, one more year of high school and then going to an entity power like Alabama, the sky seems to be the limit for a guy like Barnett. Well, I, John, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I we're going to publish it in the AM, but I, we had a – very good conversation last week with Dennis Guile. We're going to build on that a little bit. His quarterback coach, who is like coaching down there, and they've done a lot of work on his release, especially in the last year. Uh, and I think really his sky is the limit. I think that's what I've been so excited about the last couple of weeks, getting to know him and his family. And I just think his upside is tremendous. I think his best football is ahead of him. He's done what I thought he would do at the Elite Eleven. I thought he would be ready to go. I thought he would play well. He did a lot. He did a great job with the Rivals Five Star Challenge. And I guess to ask you, I know they won their first game today. Uh, how, how how many games has Apocalypse played, and what is the, what is their standing right now in the seven on seven? I want to say every team has no team is undefeated that I've seen. So the competition, you know, right. They want it to be balanced, and it has been pretty balanced. Uh, but that team has done fairly well. Uh, they've got a lot of good players, not only Blake Barnett, but Calvin Ridley's been his go-to guy. They threw, they connected on two touchdowns in their first game. So that rapport is already growing uh, very quickly. Um, but they've got defensive players that are stand up as well. They've got Malik Jefferson, you know, the number two player in the country on scout on their defense, and he's got three interceptions from the middle linebacker spot, which is really unheard of. Um, so they're mm-hmm. one of the better teams early on. I want to say they're two and one 
Um, they're they're finishing up um, pool play right now. Actually, I'm actually sitting in, in the uh, Tiger Woods Center office, uh, looking out a big <laughs> window, almost like a coach at the field while I'm on with you guys. You gotta so love if there's that. any <laughs> if there's <laughs> any breaking information on you know guys <laughs> making a big play, you guys will be the first to hear it. But but Apocalypse has done very well. Uh, I think they're two and one on the day, and really the Barnett to Ridley connection is, is definitely a part of that talk. Like you said, those guys are or maybe two of the top five getting the most buzz, and they happen to play on the same team now and potentially in the future at Alabama. Yeah, that's tremendous. And, and what I was going to say is I was watching the uh, the coverage last night of the Spark Championship, and the, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, wow, you know, at Alabama, they, they, they definitely need to get Malik Jefferson on campus. That guy's a freak. He ran a 4.49 last night in his last 40. Uh, you know, just a tremendous athlete and a kid that's long, got a nice frame. Uh, he's definitely a guy. I know Texas A&M wants badly, and I could see why he would buy the, he would be the number one outside linebacker in the country. I thought he was tremendous in the Spark Championship last night. What they yeah, and he's, you know, he's backed the, it up in the seven on seven. So I'll go ahead, Drew. They need what they need to do, John, is they need to figure out how to get Malik Jefferson and CC Jefferson without involving Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a yeah, good yeah. there. Yeah, I'll they, be here all all night. Tip your wake. <laughs> John, back to the apocalypse team. John, uh, I understand there are a couple of running backs on that team that Alabama is looking at very strongly. Yeah, and one of them knocked out another commitment. You know, Jacquez Patrick. Um, for those who don't know, he is not very small. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say he's in that Derrick Henry mold, but he's certainly all of uh, about six two, two hundred twenty five pounds or so. And he's, and he's a very accomplished wide receiver prospect, even though, you know, he, he's rated as a running back and certainly plays as a running, as a running back at, at Timber Creek High School down in Orlando, Florida. Um, but he's he's known as a guy who can come out of the backfield and, and catch a lot of passes, which, of course, is, is sort of that lane kissing staple that people are, are going to throw his way whenever he talks Alabama. Uh, and he's, he's owned that. You know, he's come out here and, and done very well out of space. And, and the play I was talking about earlier is he <laughs> goes, he went up over the middle against Minka Fitzpatrick, the Alabama commitment. Um, but Minka was in zone coverage and really didn't see him coming. Um, and, and Patrick got there just before Fitzpatrick got there. Uh, and, and he caught a, a bit of a shoulder elbow to the head without knowing it and was just flat on the ground for a little bit. Uh, he just got a little roughed up. But the good news is that, you know, after walking off under his own power, he came back and actually played really well uh, after that. But, but Jack West Patrick is certainly – making a name for himself um, on Team Apocalypse again. A lot of Alabama commitments and targets. So Patrick is certainly uh, one of the running backs on there. And Damian Harris is the other one, another bigger back. You know, it's just it's crazy how these bigger backs are able to to, to play well in seven-on-seven. Seven. It, it used to be a wash. Those guys used to be, you know, just there to, to run a little swing route, and, and that was the end of it. But now they're, they're running out and up. They're lining up in the slot, heading down the field, and, you know, Chad Simmons, who, who does the rankings for us in the South, um, after that play with Fitzpatrick, said, you know, Jaquez Patrick looks like an H-back right now. And he and he really did. You know, it was natural uh, in how he was catching passes. Which, you know, 10 years ago, a back who's 230 pounds might have been fighting the football. And Damian Harris has been holding his own as well in that same mold of a guy who, who's big and, and definitely looks like a big 10 or SEC back. But, you know, he can come out of the backfield and make some plays as well. So, Team Apocalypse is easily the team that uh, Alabama fans should keep the closest eye on uh, here at the Open. 
Well, and John, I wanted to ask you because a lot of people have speculated about the running back situation in Alabama in the, in the class. Uh, Damian Harris is a guy that doesn't talk a lot, doesn't do a lot of interviews. I know you've hopefully got a chance to speak with him down there. How? What, where does Alabama stand with first of all Patrick and and uh, and Harris? I'm hearing Patrick will visit Alabama soon, probably for the camp that's coming up. Camp. What about Harris? Where does Alabama stand with both of those guys? Yeah, it seems up and down with Harris. You know, he seems, like you said, he doesn't talk a whole lot. So when he does talk, people sort of, you know, overvalue it and really kind of dig into it. Um, so, you know, sometimes we'll say Alabama's right up there, and sometimes it'll seem more like, you know, Ohio State-Michigan type situation. And I think that's the true dilemma with him. You know, he's, a, he's from Kentucky, first of all. So um, the momentum that Mark Stoops has created is, is certainly going to play some kind of factor into, you know, his eventual decision. We saw that with Matt Elam a season ago. Um, but then you have Ohio State, Michigan, where he was once committed, you know, for those who don't remember that. Um, so I think, you know, Alabama, once they really start to ramp up their interest in Damian, um, will sort of, you know, catching up the whole way through. Uh, and I think they've done a good job uh, staying in the hunt. You know, he did visit uh, very early in the spring, like everything – that he did experience in Tuscaloosa, but but all indication is still at least from here and from talking to everybody um, around and reading through the tea leaves is, is that you know Ohio State's going to be pretty tough to beat. Uh, and I think another Ohio State commitment went public yesterday online and said you know just wait you know Damian Harris my my boy Damian Harris is going to be a Buckeye soon. So all the buzz is, is certainly tipped towards Ohio State's favor and. It's quite the opposite for Jock West Patrick. You know, the Ohio State for him would have been Florida State in terms of the team that was the perceived leader sort of in the last three or four months. You know, Patrick's, you know, uh, location plays a big part in that. You know, he's from Orlando, Florida State, uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, not too far, obviously coming off a national championship, coming off losing their top two backs to the NFL draft. You know, that just sort of seemed like, Eventually, he would add their name, his name to their commitment list. Um, but Patrick's one who's never really cut down on schools too much. But he did go on record this week uh, with Jamie Newbert, who runs our Florida rankings, and say, you know, it's actually not just FSU at the top. Alabama is actually a co-leader. And I think that was some big news that came out yesterday because I think the perception was that FSU was on top and Alabama was a close number two or a solid number two or even like a 1A. But the fact that he, you know, came out and said, no, they're co-leaders, I think, you know, speaks volumes to what Alabama's been able to do lately with him. Now, they offered him well over a year ago uh, when he started to blow up as a sophomore running back. Um, but they kept their name in the game despite changing offensive coordinators and things like that. So I think um, getting him on campus like they will this month uh, could be big. Now, he's not too sure if he's going to the camp this weekend or just going to make, you know, a regular unofficial visit in the middle of next week. Uh, but he is going to get to Alabama in July, and that's going to be big because it's been a while since he uh, had been on campus. You know, he'll hit Auburn as well, and there's several other schools besides Alabama and the Knowles on his list. You know, Michigan's on there, Ohio State is on there. You know, everybody in the mother wants a shot at Jack West Patrick, a uh, top five type running back, uh, and they will seemingly get it. Uh, but Alabama and FSU are in really good position right now. I would still give the edge to the Knowles just because of the longevity of, of them keeping guys in state uh, and him sort of leaning there the whole way through. But the fact that Alabama's made, made up such ground in a short amount of time really makes it interesting because, like we talked about last time, the running back position is, is such an intrigue in this class for Alabama. Do they stick with Sherry Flowers and, and call it a wrap? 
Do they still attack guys like Javon Robinson and Kerryon Johnson that are committed to Auburn? What about Damian Harris? What about Jacquez Patrick? What about Nick Gibson? So, I mean, there's there's so many possibilities. I don't think it would surprise somebody if they stuck with one back or ended up with two or maybe even three if they feel a guy like Patrick can be versatile or maybe even be an H-back down the road like he's showing today. John, uh, we have this discussion weekly with every guest, yourself included, uh, but things continue to change for Alabama as far as recruiting the class of 2015 with offensive tackles. Now, I know Drew Richmond was the hot name after his visit. Uh, talk about where he stands now. And also, uh, you reported earlier today that there may be a new offensive lineman commitment coming soon for Alabama. You know, there's three offensive line commits here, you know, competing together, Lester Cotton, Richie Pettibon, and, and Dallas Warmack. Um, and two of them are rooming together, and, and there's just a lot of talk about those guys adding somebody. The two who are rooming together are Warmack and Pettibon. And, and for those who don't know about those two personalities, they're very gung-ho type uh, in general, and so it trickles down to their recruitment as well. Pettibon is, is probably the most solid commitment on the list, maybe outside of Blake Barnett right now. Uh, and Warmack is much more solid than it seemed with, you know, him taking visits and stuff like that. Those guys are really trying to build the class, you know. And, and the quote that Warmack told me, I haven't even published it yet, is he said, yeah, you know, it's nice working out with my two guards on si- each side of me. So, I mean, you know, Cotton on one side, Pettibon on the other side, and him at center. And I said, so what about adding a tackle down the road? Is that guy here? And he said, you know, he had a big old smile. You know, Warmack has those braces, so his smile is pretty unique. And he says, let's just say that he's here too. And I was just, you know, he wouldn't give me much more than that. Uh, but the fact that he was, was hinting at it is a big deal because, you know, you know, it means somebody's already told him that. If somebody's already told him, hey, I'm going to end up committing. I just don't know when. So, of course, speculation explodes at that point. You know, is it Drew Richmond? Is it Matt Burrell, who's visiting for the first time later this month? Um, is it a guy we're not even talking about, like Marquez Ivey? Or, you know, somebody from left field? Uh, or a guy committed to another school? You know, so it, it really does uh, create quite the buzz. I don't know how many people he told that to, but uh, it, it certainly makes it interesting because tackle, like you said, is it, quite it's like running back. It's quite the intrigue. They don't have one right now. Uh, unless they think Cotton or Pettibon can maybe slide out and play right tackle. But in terms of left tackle, the guys that are surefire tackles, there is not one on the commitment list. And they want to add at least one, possibly two, before it's all said and done. So certainly uh, a lot of guys here are, are the prime candidates to be there. So Richmond, you know, I'm not sure. You know, he's another one that, you know, he visits school and, and loves it and, and talks about that. You know, he's sort of like Will Gray. You know, every school he visits, he really, really likes so it's hard to get a true read on a guy like that. Will he stay in state and play for the Vols? What about the Memphis to Ole Miss connection that that is very popular in the last ten years or so? Will he will he go down that path? Will he will he surprise I guess and, and go to school like Alabama? Or how State feels good about their chances with him? So I think Richmond is is really tough to peg at this time. The last I heard, Alabama was probably trending a bit down for him despite uh, his. Uh, excellent visit here lately, uh, but as you know, recruiting changes almost every day. I actually heard that Malik Jefferson and, and Kendall Sheffield, two stars from Texas, are trending in opposite directions for Alabama as well. So, I mean, it, it really does change on a daily basis, and, and you, you get surprised even, you know, being in this, in this industry every day, you still get surprised by, uh, by what you hear at, at these big events, and certainly Richmond's news 
uh, was a bit surprising that Alabama maybe be trending down just a little bit for him, but, but of course that can change. I'm going to go ahead and save it. I, I think that Richmond is who Warmack is talking about. That's just me, though. Uh, but next question. We that had, was my uh, first guess as well. Definitely well, I, I know, and I know you heard it might be trending down, but, you know, <laughs> we've heard so many people trending down, all of a sudden they commit. So you just you never know. I'm going to say I read those quotes by Drew Richmond, John, where he was told by our staff that he could be a Barrett Jones type of versatile guy, Barrett Jones, a fellow Memphian, uh, and that really resonated with me. But, again, you're right. We don't know what's going through kids' heads. Uh, change your gears a little bit to the D-line. Uh, if you get a chance, go back and listen to the podcast, John. Our number one, we had – Makai Brown on tonight, and we always ask commitments, uh, who are the other kids you're recruiting the hardest for Alabama? The first name out of his mouth was a young man you've been able to watch this week. Uh, talk a little bit about the performance and the uh, status commitment-wise of Deron Payne, John. <laughs> I think that's every every Alabama commitment's number one target. I still think that's Alabama's number one overall target going forward. Um, you know, Everything starts and ends with Alabama with Payne right now. Auburn's still in it, Texas, Florida State as well. He actually told me he's going to probably take an unofficial visit to Texas and check that place out for the first time. You know, Alabama fans will remember that Chris Rumps recruited him at Alabama just about a year ago, uh, and he carried that over to Texas. So that's where the Longhorns have somewhat of a shot at him. But still, at the end of the day, you know, his head coach has said it kind of on accident. He said it kind of on accident. Everyone has said it kind of on accident. It's going to be an Alabama-Auburn battle. Uh, and Alabama does have that lead right now. He won't say it. Um, those close to him won't say it. But it's pretty apparent in just the people who have experience in this industry dealing with these types of kids and what they're saying. Um, you know, he even slipped and, and said we one time with Alabama this week. So, I mean, there's certainly a bit of a lead in some capacity. Is it a 1% lead? Is it a monster lead? We really don't know. And pain is probably the biggest combination of a large man and a quiet personality uh, in the history of recruiting. So we're not going to get, you know, that that big tweet that says, you know, roll tide one day, war eagle the next day. You're not going to get that from a guy like Payne. So uh, even what he says, you, you can't take into too, too deep consideration uh, because he's not going to say a whole lot, sort of like Marlon Humphrey, sort of like Kendall Sheffield. So uh, he's hard to read in terms of just what he says. But, again, Alabama should feel very good about where he's going. Lester Cotton feels very good about him ending up at Alabama. Um, they, those two have become extremely close. He's another guy here um, working out at the opening. They're extremely close now after their, their camp battles became headlines. Um, they're, they're talking every day. Uh, Cotton tells me you know, he, he doesn't even recruit him anymore. He feels that good about it. So that should probably tell you all you need to know about where Alabama feels it is for pain right now. Uh, and in terms of on the field, he's doing what he always does. You know, he checked in at 341 pounds, which I thought was a little high, uh, but certainly he's not going to turn down the meal. And, and he doesn't look sloppy at 341 like some other guys might. Uh, so he's held his own. He has gone against Cotton and Darrell Williams and some of the other in-state offensive linemen again uh, and done pretty well against them, a little bit of extra pushing and shoving at the end. But that's what you expect when 340 pounds comes at you. You might get a little frustrated. Well, and, and John, I wanted to ask you about Lester Cotton. Uh, uh, another one of our contributors to our show, Rodney Orr, who we have on here, very well respected. He spoke with Lester uh, re- recently, and Lester uh, basically had, had said that something, another angle that had not been thought about, that he had spoken with Mario Cristobal quite a bit, and that 
they had talked about him playing the right tackle position and maybe move it out from guard. And that would open up seemingly a, a spot for a guy like Brandon Kennedy. And Brandon Kennedy is going to visit Alabama for the camp. Spoke with him recently in July. He told me he has not discussed the depth chart in, in detail with Alabama. He wants to. I think he's a guy that's rapidly becoming more and more of a, a, a want. A, he got out and wants badly. He, he performed very well at the OLDO camp. The only guy to beat him in reps was Anthony Jennings, and we had Anthony on our show. But let's just 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 talk about Lester Cotton. You, I know he's been a guy. I saw him in Birmingham as you did too at Spain Park. But he's been a guy that's taken on all challengers, pretty much been active all spring and summer. You see, after you've seen him many times, you think he could make the transition and could play tackle in the SEC. What are your thoughts? At the beginning of, of the fall, before before he committed or, or got the committable offer uh, to Alabama, I would have told you no, and I would have been very firm about that no. I would have said that uh, his technique is too far off, uh, he's not nasty enough, he's not consistent enough, or even maybe even in shape enough. To, to get to that, um, you know, that spot, of, you know, SEC tackle, and that's 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 a big title right there. Um, but there might not be another commitment that has improved in the last calendar year as much as Cox has, you know, and that's reflective on all of his rankings on any site that you subscribe to. Um, he's just shooting up the chart. He showed it uh, at the Under Armour Combine in January, and then he was better in Birmingham um, in March, and then he was even better at a spring game in, in May. And then now here at the opening, he looks as good as he's ever looked. And he is working out at all three spots. And I think that's what people don't realize about Lester Cott. You know, he plays right and left tackle in high school. Uh, he lines up at center at camps because he just wants to be versatile. Uh, and then we project him as a guard. So he's, he's a guy who could potentially play all three positions. And I think uh, he's put on very healthy weight as well. Uh, so he sort of has that tackle, right tackle look to him. Now, as to where, you know, a year ago people were saying, you know, surefire guard when looking at him. Um, so he's, he's really just worked. And I've actually talked to him about it yesterday. I said, you know, how did you improve so much? Because you were always an SEC guy. But now you're threatening, you know, to be – you're already now the top lineman in Alabama. You're, you're a top ten guy at your position where people think you're a center or a guard. Um, you know, where does this ascent come from? And he said it just, it just happened when he started to, to go up against guys like Deron Payne and – uh, and even guys like Corey Thomas last year, who signed with Mississippi State, he didn't really know that there was the, those type of players, you know, in the Birmingham area. So once he started in the Tuscaloosa area as well, once he started going up against them and show, you know, he thought he did okay, but he knew he wanted to become as close to dominant against those guys as he he can. And and he he has come close to that, you know, against Kane today. Uh, those guys, it's like they know each other so well now that, that it's almost a draw every single time, you know, and I think that's a big testament to where Cotton has come because Jerome Payne's probably the strongest individual out here benching 460 pounds at 16 years old. Um, so for <laughs> Cotton, who's just right at 300 pounds, to come in and, and hold his own against Payne, even though Payne knows his moves just like he knows Payne moves, I think it just speaks volumes about where he's at. And then Cotton, after dealing with a guy like that, would go on the edge and go against a Byron Tower, who's a five-star defensive end, and you know, 240 or 50 pounds. So he's he's broadening his horizons literally every day here at an event like this, and I think that's what's sort of sparking this whole talk of him playing right tackle. And I think out of he and Pettibon, I think he's a little bit more equipped to do it. And that's not a knock against Pettibon, who is a phenomenal interior guy with maybe the strongest lower body I've seen out here. But uh, it's just a testament to you know the flexibility and versatility. Uh, and the length of cotton to go against with to go uh, 
with his improved technique uh, and strength himself. John, did I understand from your report that uh, Sean Burgess Becker had some type of injury? Yeah, he uh, he's been battling one, and Montreal Custis actually uh, just told me that he he tweaked the hamstring as well. So he's not his team is playing right in front of me right now, but he's not out there. He tweaked a hamstring. He might be done for the rest of camp. He will uh, visit Alabama this weekend, as will Sean Burgess Becker. He's been dealing with an ankle kind of off and on, which which is always tough for a skill guy because. You know, any of you, you know, roll an ankle, you feel like for one minute you can go test it out and you feel fine, and the next minute it rolls again. So he's sort of dealing with that off and on. Uh, so it's definitely slowed his, his play out here at the opening, but it hasn't slowed his personality. And, and Sean is one of those guys, like he's like a Josh Casher type. You know, he, he's going to talk a lot. He's going to have fun. Uh, and he's going to work hard and still try to get better as a player, but you know, he's going to live it up to the fullest, and he's been doing that out there with, with his, his buddy, his best friend, and his brother, uh, Calvin Ridley, and a lot of the other South Florida guys. But, you know, it's a different breed come there, uh, and he sort of exemplifies that, even though he's been hobbled by this ankle injury. But I think he'll be okay. Well, and John, I asked you about Calvin Ridley. Obviously, it's been well documented. He's performed very well. He's a kid, kind of a few words. I saw him. I've, I've interviewed him before, so as a, some friends of mine in this business, and I saw, you know, uh, Tom Luganville interviewing yesterday, and I, I I commented before that basically went to him. I was like, "This is going to be a kid of few words," and it was. But he lets his play kind of do the talking. But I guess hey, there's been a lot of speculation. How do you, how firm do you think his commitment is to Alabama? And B, is he going to be tripping to Alabama with Burgess Becker uh, in July? Yes, he is, and and probably the best news for Alabama in terms of the summer is that. Those guys are going to head down to Alabama, as are a lot of the commitments. I think Warmack's going. Of course, Cotton will be there since he lives right around the corner. Uh, Custis, like I said, will be there too. Uh, I think Patrick as well. I think it's Patrick. Um, but the best thing about it is that that's going to be Ridley and Burgess Becker's last visit of the summer. You know, there's some other teams that are having very big camps. Uh, Georgia comes to mind. Florida comes to mind. Uh, but those guys are not going to host, at least at this time, they're not going to host. Becker or Ridley, because, uh, you know, those guys are going to travel everywhere together. They, they truly are brothers. They live together. Their parents are basically the same. They're on the same high school team. They they play together their whole lives. Uh, so uh, it's well known that, you know, they're going to end up at the same school, you know, whether that's Alabama or not, it's going to be the same school. So I think that makes it much harder for any other school to jump in and get a duo after they've already committed. Um, and then, you know, they both report. They're saying all the right things. They're very solid and all that, but you know, Miami, Ohio State, those guys are certainly in there. And Ridley told me yesterday that, you know, he loves Alabama, but he is admitting that he's going to take a look at Miami uh, and see what they do this year. And I think that's big for Miami and Florida down in that state. How do they perform on the field? You know, everyone knows about their tradition and what they have now, but the on-field product, you know, can Florida get to eight wins? Can Miami threaten for an ACC title? I think those things could be game changers in recruiting in the South, in the SEC and ACC in general, not only with guys uh, like Burgess Becker and Ridley, but, but really all over the state uh, of Florida, which is, of course, you know, arguably the most fertile in the country. So uh, I think Alabama's in a good place right now. Uh, I don't anticipate Florida or Miami, you know, making a national title run. Uh, so I think that's going to be big. You know, Ridley wants to win. You know, he comes from a solid program down in, in Coconut Creek, Florida. He plays for the number one seven-on-seven team in the country, the Florida Fire. So, I mean, the guy's used to winning. He's at an event like this helping Blake Barnett dominate. So, I mean, 
I think that's going to be a bigger factor than people realize, especially if he lines up at wide receiver. So it's not just about how the team does, you know, what are the quarterbacks looking like, stuff like that. And, you know, he's working with Barnett so much that you got to feel like Alabama's going to be helping his chances to hold on to him uh, at an event like this. And if they hold on to Ridley, they'll hold on to, to Burgess Becker and vice versa. You know, they, it's not like they stop recruiting Burgess Becker at all. They're certainly high on him as a potential safety prospect. So, I think Alabama is in, in very solid shape right now, but again, it, it would take something pretty special from from Miami, more though, more so than Ohio State, who I think is is, is not as big a threat because Miami, you know, is thirty or forty five minutes away from their hometown. Um, so I think they're a much bigger threat than Ohio State. So I think that would be the school to keep a closer eye on. But uh, I think Alabama fans would feel pretty good right now. It is 32 minutes after the hour. You're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio with uh, Drew Diarmon of Alabama Intel and myself, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com. And we're joined by my cohort, uh, John Garcia of BamaMag.com, live from the opening in Beaverton, Oregon, where games are going on as we speak. John, a couple more notes from your report today I'd like for you to go over. Uh, I understand that Deontay Thompson is more than holding his own at, at safety. He really is, and he's another one who I think uh, just gets better every time people see him, you know. Uh, early in the in the Under Armour combine, or the Army combine, I should say, it was about his range as a safety and the 7-on-7s seven seven that really caught people's attention. So he shot up a little bit in the rankings. And then at the, uh, I believe it was the Dallas Nike camp, the guy lined up at cornerback and shut down top receivers, committed to Big 12 and SEC schools. And then out here he's done a little bit of both. You know, he's lined up. Uh, in the slot covering guys one-on-one, elite guys like Christian Kirk one-on-one holding his own. He is one of the few who has stopped Ridley one-on-one if you really want some perspective on what Deontay Thompson could bring as an individual defender and as a, a zone defender. Um, so couple that with his length, you know, about 6'3", 180 pounds right now, uh, and it's no secret as to why people compare him to another former Alabama great and high-high Clinton Dick. You know, this is a, a different breed of kid. You know, he's very mature. Uh, for his age, you know, he's working out with Earl Thomas week in, week out. The two are from the same uh, college. You know, his family is very loyal to Alabama. They're out here sporting Alabama gear just every day, <laughs> role-fighting everything they see with Barnett's family and Pettibon's family. It really is sort of an Alabama reunion out here. So I got the chance to talk to his father, Vestas, for probably an hour yesterday when they were first warming up. And he just sort of just let me inside their world and how everything happened. It was just uh, no surprise to you guys, but a testament to the evaluation skills of a Burton Burns to get in early with a guy like that. You know, Alabama offered before Texas even asked him to come visit. <laughs> so think about that. This guy's from Orange, Texas, and the Longhorns hadn't even asked him to visit before Alabama had already offered him. And if you guys remember, when Alabama offered him, he committed about two hours later. So. That is the type of evaluation that, that Alabama was able to put out and, and snag a guy who grew up a big-time Longhorn fan idolizing former Longhorn Earl Thomas. So, again, it's a testament, especially now considering that, one, Deontay is the longest tenure commitment. I think he's 15 months in to his commitment, maybe 16 by now. And secondly, he's probably the more, one of the more solid commitments, certainly on defense. He's out here recruiting as well. Uh, and they just, there's a sense of loyalty from that family that, that's pretty uh, remarkable in today's age of recruiting. They're not taking any more visits. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're all about Alabama. They're all about making the situation the best for him, and that's probably the biggest reason why he's, he's really gunning to enroll early and with, I believe, a 3.6 GPA, he's well on track to do so. 
If anyone wants to call in and ask a question, I'm sure John will be glad to answer it. Our number is uh, 714-510-3707. And, uh, John, getting back to Deontay, just one more quick point. And th- those of us that played the game know what you meant when you wrote this. But talk about the uh, what you meant when you wrote that Deontay understands the route tree. Oh, man, it's such a rarity. You know, think, think of think of your elite athlete, you know. These guys are in high school playing against other decent athletes, but maybe not elite guys. So if they're quarterbacks or defensive backs, they're going out and just reacting to the guy, and they're so much better naturally. That's true. They can jump in front of the ball and make an interception and take it back to the house. That's fine and dandy. But there's a select few, and Deontay is in this group, that understand what a receiver is trying to do against him during the route, you know, so – you think of receivers that run very good routes. Think of your, your Reggie Wayne, your Isaac Bruce's of the world, you know, for, for those in years past. These are guys that want to set up the defender, um, you know, so you're not just running a, a post route. You know, you're, you're making it seem like it's a corner route, and then you're coming back to the post route, and you're just you're setting the defender up all the way through. Uh, and Thomas is one of the few that has studied that and, and can recognize when he's being set up. That enables him that much more uh, of a quick jump on the end of the row, when the ball's coming and things like that. And that's something that you that you cannot just have. You have to go out and learn that, no matter how athletic you are. You have to study tape. You have to uh, take coaching from others. You have to learn why people are trying to do what they're going to do. And, and Thompson's been very good at that out here at this event, and that's why he can play corner or state. And that's that's exciting. We had him on last week, John, and I, we got the same gist. He and he admitted to us. He said Alabama was my first offer. Uh, they got on him early. It's a good thing because, as I said, I think he's as good a free safety as there is in the country. Obviously, with those kind of coverage skills, that's big. But I and I know you said he's been kind of fighting an injury. But kind of for, we talked about him briefly. But kind of talk about Burgess Becker's skill set. Uh, he's somebody that I know has played on both sides of the football, but a lot of people uh, project him at safety. Would he be more of a strong safety? I know you're very familiar with that area down there. What kind of football player is Burgess Becker? Yeah, I think that's safe to say strong safety if I had to pick. Um, but you know, like you said, I'm familiar with the area, and, and they produce a lot of two-way guys. I mean, Calvin Ridley is one who Scout currently ranks as a, as, as a cornerback, not a wide receiver, although he's getting all these guys like Cooper. Comparisons now that's going to change after this week, most frankly. But um, Burgess Spector's on the other side of that. He's a very good wide receiver. Uh, excuse me, and he's helped he's helped his team to, to big numbers. He's on that same seven on seventeen um, as Ridley on the Florida Fire. Um, um, but safety is, is going to be his is going to be his future, and he's a bigger guy. You know, he's about two hundred pounds right now. So he can play physical, but you know, his experience as a wide receiver helps him. Uh, to play better in coverage. And, you know, we label strong safety, free safety. You know, Deontay's more of a free safety. Sean is more of a strong safety. But at the end of the day, with these offenses spreading you out and running motions and quick snaps, both safeties have to be able to do both things. And I think both of these guys have the ability to do that, uh, which is most important. You think of Vinicius, Landon, Collins, Haha, Clinton Dix. You've seen them all coming down and making plays in the box, and you've seen them all dropping back in coverage and making plays. So, I think that's the more important part is, is the ability for a safety to roll down and play in the box like a linebacker and also sit back as, as a true safety and play in that center field position. need to ask you also, John, since he's out there uh, in Beaverton with you, and I know you hear things, uh, what, what's the latest on Alabama commitment, Jonathan Ledbetter? 
Yeah, another lightning rod recruit. <laughs> Ever since he's committed, there's been there was a question mark the day he committed. You know, oh, there's nobody saw this coming, and that, me included. You know, it was sort of out of the blue. He had the offer, but he he was really just going to Tuscaloosa to hang out with his buddy and teammate Elijah Shaw, uh, who was who was trying to get on the commitment list as well. So, sort of a weird recruiting situation from the beginning. Um, but Alabama offered him. They took him, obviously. Um, and since then, he's only visited other schools. He's only been to Bama one time. He's been to Auburn a couple of times, Georgia several times. He wants to get down to Florida later this month if he can because Auburn has sort of backed off in his recruitment. So a, not, a little bizarre, uh, really, because it's sort of unorthodox and it doesn't really go along with what everybody thought. Everyone thought, okay, he's committed to Alabama. Georgia's going to be the only for it. Let's, let's move on. But he wants to get down to Florida now. You know, so it's just it's, it's ever changing with Ledbetter. But again, he reports he's solid. He was throwing out roll ties yesterday. So it's really hard to decipher sometimes with these kids because you're hearing one thing, you're seeing another, um, and it's not going to change. You know, he's not going to one day just say, you know, I really don't like Alabama that much. He, he does like Alabama, and you know, he just needs to regroup. He's going to have a big regrouping session after the summer, kind of reevaluate where he stands. That doesn't mean he's going to decommit first. Uh, but even if he does decommit, you know, I would say that Alabama would not be out of it because he is really just going to sit back and sort of start over because sort of like Deontay, you know, Alabama offered him before a lot of the other guys, uh, and he jumped on it immediately. Now, Deontay did too. He jumped on it two hours later, but the difference is that uh, he didn't have all these other SEC schools right around him sort of kicking themselves for not offering him and getting him on campus when he commenced to Alabama. That happened with Ledbetter immediately. With Thompson, it took a little time to happen. Uh, so I think that's the biggest difference between them. But the left better is going to take his time, sort of sit back and reevaluate. So that's uh, the latest we're hearing, and that's going to be very interesting because, you know, he's a versatile guy who can do a lot of things on the defensive front. Well, you know, we talked about him already, but you said he was kind of trending, obviously maybe not toward Alabama, and that's not surprising considering how good a football player he is. But what are have you have you been able to speak much with Malik Jefferson? Is he still plan on going that trip in Alabama in July, or what are his plans right now? Well, I haven't written the story yet, but I will break the news on Bam's radio. He will not make the trip to Alabama, which means DeAndre McNeil most likely will not make that trip either, right. which which is potentially a big blow to the Crimson Tide. Yes. And that's why I posted on Bama Mag earlier that I think Bama's trending down a little bit. He didn't really give a reason for why uh, he wasn't going to Alabama. You could, you could almost sense that he didn't want to bash somebody. So not quite sure what's really going on there, but um, he, he talked about visiting several other schools, but Alabama was not one of them. And I think that's pretty clear to me uh, that something somebody rubbed somebody the wrong way. Uh, so Alabama's not looking as good as maybe they possibly could for Malik Jefferson even a week ago. Even the last time I was on this show, I thought, uh, you know, if they got him on campus, the game could be changed because he had never been to campus, although his parents were very impressed with Nick Saban. Uh, so does that tell you that maybe the business-like mentality is, is something he does not like? I'm not sure. I don't want to create any speculation. But uh, there's certainly something there um, that Alabama has not shown him just yet. So I think they'll they'll stay it in. They'll stay after him as they should because he's the number two player in the country. But as of today, I think Alabama's trending down just a little bit. Yeah, that it makes sense because there's only a certain amount of spots left in this class. Um, John, i got to also ask you, um, because I know this is not an opening-related question, first one like that, 
But and Drew and I went over this last hour, but I want to get your take on it too. Uh, the recent good news that was received by a certain class of 2014 running back commitment. Yeah, I mean, you talk about breaking random news. Um, it's actually sitting at dinner with Amy Campbell, who who uh, runs our state of Florida field reporting, uh, and of course, Bo Scarborough was in the state of Florida his senior year, so they developed a relationship. And she just let me know she was just kind of talking with him one day, and, and he had mentioned that you know, everything was good to go. And she sort of dug more, and, you know, he didn't like voting, like talking about that kind of stuff. We all know that. Uh, but he did open up enough to tell her that, you know, he did pass. He, gets, he got the scores he needed to get. Uh, so now the clearinghouse is, is literally the last hurdle before he ends up at Alabama. You know, we had heard it sort of from the other side, but we just needed to confirm it through both which is why we waited so late last night to run with it when she actually did confirm it with us. But but all indications from Bo from Alabama is, is that, you know, he is in. It looks like it's very, very, very close to being 100% official, which is, of course, the clearinghouse getting in, enrolled at, at Alabama. Uh, but I would say, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it maybe didn't seem as, as likely. Uh, so a tribute to Bo, sort of like guys like Jonathan Cook, Robert Foster, in years past, you know, it didn't look too great at one point, but those guys really buckled down and, and got it done. And that's huge. I think it's big for Alabama for Bo to get in. I don't know, as I said today, I don't know what kind of contribution he'll make getting in late, but he's a great athlete. I think he's a guy that can he can be a, a running back wide receiver H. You just want to try to find a spot for him to play. Uh, and I think he, even if he redshirts, it's not going to be the end of the world with the depth there. But Bo is a and he's a good kid. You're happy for him. I, I've heard the same information. Just needed to get through the clearinghouse. Still got to happen. But that's big for Alabama. Big for the class. And we're gonna, you have a lot of contacts in Florida. We we kind of talked about this in the first hour. Do you have any insight into Montel McBride? He's the last signee standing now. Uh, I've tried to contact him. Have not spoken with him or his coach. Uh, speculation. I have heard he's taking summer classes. Do you have any insight in the McBride situation? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, he's it's funny because he actually committed at the opening last year, which is ironic. But right. uh, he's been very tough to get a hold of, and, and that's understandable. Kind of like Bo, you know, they're going through sort of something they really didn't foresee themselves going through. Uh, so once you do do it and people are calling you, you kind of don't want to go on record with any of that. Um, so I respect that about him. I haven't tried to hit him up too much, but I have tried in the last month or so. Um, but all I can – gather from the Alabama side of things is that, that he ends up like Bo does. So JUCO, the prep route, seems to be the most natural second step uh, at this point. Uh, and I just think the silence about him speaks speaks volumes, really. I just think that uh, it's very tough uh, for him to, to make up the ground at this point. Uh, and I think Alabama kind of prepared for something like that. You know, they took six offensive linemen, for goodness sake. So, I mean, they were prepared to have some kind of movement. There was a question with Dominic Jackson. There was a question with Montel McBride. Uh, you know, Ken Robinson enrolled early. So they, they sort of wanted – it almost looked like they wanted to stagger the eligibility of guys, even though they were all class of 2014, you know, signees. It almost looked like they wanted to stagger the eligibility with Jackson being a Tuco guy uh, and bringing in a guy, Ken Robinson, early who has high expectations. Maybe going 50-50 for a guy like Montel McBride. So it seems like they covered their bases and certainly – have enough interior prospects, J.C. Hoffman, Ross Pierce, Dr. Josh Kasher, uh, who have come in in the class and sort of held their own um, despite, I guess, the question marks on the outside. Uh, so I think 
Alabama was prepared for this if it were to happen. And, and some people even thought that defensive tackle would be where Montgomery Pride would end up. Well, if you look at that, they staggered that as well. Josh Frazier came in. The Juco guys came in. So I think oh, O.J. Smith as well, even though he had some question marks. But I think both lines had some, some staggering. I think that was done by design. I think Alabama realized that some of these guys weren't guarantees, so they sort of covered themselves with that. Um, and it seems like it paid off if, if with all those question marks, only one guy doesn't end up in the class. So, and that's not official yet, so we'll see. That's uh, John Garcia, who's talking to us live from the opening in Beaverton, Oregon. And, John, I've just read a tweet from somebody who's there as well saying that Blake Barnett has done it again, uh, a 40-yard strike on a rope uh, just right there hitting the receiver in the hands. Uh, did you witness that just three or four minutes ago? <laughs> I did not, actually. I actually stepped out to get a glass of water. But uh, there's two games going on. So there's one close to me and one far from me. And he's on the far field uh, with Calvin Ridley and the other guys. But I do see them changing fields right now. But he did just <laughs> throw us another touchdown. It's just it's funny. It's actually the opposite of what I expected. You know, that it's been low scoring. So the fact that, that uh, Barnett is sort of uh, lighting it up every time out is, is a pretty big deal against these really good defenses, these secondary are unbelievable, and I think a lot of it is because of these athletic linebackers. You talk about Malik Jefferson. You talk about Raquan Smith out of Georgia. You talk about guys like Josh Smith who committed to Vanderbilt last night. These guys are are borderline safeties but are big enough to play linebackers. So it's, it's quite crazy, but uh, it's definitely helping these defenses out here. But, but maybe not so much against Barnett. Another guy who's out there with you this week, uh, we, we did talk to you about him a couple weeks ago, but his name continues to be mentioned with Alabama. Tell us what you've seen on the field and what you've heard off the field with tight end Will Gregg this week. He surprised me on the field. You know, Gregg, he's not O.J. Hyatt, meaning, you know, he's not 6'6 and chiseled, if that makes sense. So um, there's, there's a certain, you know, moniker you think of when you think of Gregg. You think of him as a traditional tight end hand in the ground. But, of course, he has that receiving in his blood. And, and he's come out here and held his own as a, as a pass catcher, getting down the scenes against these athletic linebackers and making plays. Just released the top six, well, I think it was two days ago now. Alabama firmly in there along with, I guess, who you would expect, you know, Arkansas is in there. Ole Miss is in there. Texas, who is, has really come on strong for him, is in there. So sort of the usual suspects. Uh, in terms of Will Gregg, uh, but again, another one who's, who's been in up at Alabama in terms of visiting at least once or twice before it's all said and done. And he has said that Alabama will receive an official visit from him. I think it's the Texas A&M game, if, if I remember correctly. But he has it's already penciled in. So certainly good news for Alabama, but he's a guy who's going to take his commitment all the way into November, uh, which is the date he – or I'm sorry, September – which is the date he picked up. Oh, no, actually, it is November. I'm sorry. He picked that date out many moons ago, uh, so he's going to stick to that date. You know, Drew Richmond is the one who was uh, deciding in September, so you're going to have to wait for some of the top targets on Alabama's board. Those guys are sticking to their commitment date. But certainly, Will Grad will get on campus um, seemingly a couple of weeks before he's ready to make a decision, which is always good for a school like Alabama. He said that, you know, the commitment of, of Hale Hinches has not slow his interest in Alabama. Obviously, they were in the top six. So, uh, UA is certainly in very good shape for Will Bragg. But, of course, Arkansas, Ole Miss, you know, there's some schools that are going to be pretty tough to beat considering they don't have any uh, tight end commitments right now. Well, and, and John, here's another guy I would like to talk about. I was just reading a, 
a quick update on him. Uh, and he, I think he basically said uh, Alabama and Ole Miss stood out. I, you may have spoken to him, but I saw him at, at the Birmingham Spain Park Combine. Joshua McMillan from Memphis Whitehaven. He's a good-looking linebacker, very good physical specimen. I was wondering, you know, kind of where Alabama stood with him. He says he's going to visit Alabama in July for the camp uh, and visit with Coach Steele. What's the latest you've heard on McMillan? Sort of the same. Um, he's, he's another quiet type until you, you get him cornered on one-on-one, sort of like Deron Payne, and he'll give you some stuff. Uh, Alabama's always been in it with him. He actually joked with me one time about everyone thinking he was going to commit to Alabama. He was like, man, i got I got to put out of the top schools because everyone thinks I'm going to Alabama. So he's certainly having fun with the recruiting process. Other schools are certainly in the mix as well. Ole Miss has done a very good job with him. Michigan uh, is sort of shooting up his blue, you know, according to what he told our Michigan site. So he's becoming sort of a national recruit, even though he's such a quiet guy. Um, but I think his on-the-field situation is even more interesting. You know, he's about 245 pounds right now. So will he end up as a middle linebacker, or could he even be a defensive end down the road? So I think – He's an intriguing prospect no matter where he goes because of his position and, and because of sort of how he shot up out of nowhere over the last six months. John, another inside linebacker whose name's been in the news a lot, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, ever since I read the quotes by his mom in uh, what we Alabama fans lovingly refer to as the Atlanta Urinal Constitution, uh, he his mom basically <laughs> comes out and says that, you know, the only coach that she trusts is Will Muschamp. Yet, that when you talk to the player, and I'm speaking, of course, of Adonis Thomas of uh, yep. Snellville, Georgia, uh, to, in my mind, his mom, at least, is probably committed to Florida, but where does the kid stand? The kid is, is, is still uncommitted, <laughs> as you would imagine. Uh, Florida is, of course, probably the perceived favorite. Um, he's been there multiple times. Obviously, mom uh, is, is a Muschamp fan, but, but it's not over. You know, he actually talked to us yesterday. Uh, and he said it's still Alabama and Florida. It's not just Florida, even though some people think it's that. Uh, but he's going to commit on August 1st, so, you know, two-plus weeks away from that. And, and he's going to take maybe the most important business of his recruitment to Alabama within the next two weeks. So pretty much right before he's about to decide he's going to, to take that visit to Alabama, which I think speaks a lot about where he's at right now because he has visited Florida multiple times, Alabama, just once with his mother, which is, of course, important if, if she's leaning towards Florida, like it seems. So I think, you know, if he gets her back on campus uh, later this month, I think it, it could balance things out, uh, which, which you hope for, because you want it to be the player's decision. And we've seen several scandals over the last few years with moms wanting their kids uh, to go other places. You know, Landon Collins comes to mind. Alex Collins comes to mind. You know, sometimes the kid wins out, sometimes the mom wins out. So uh, I think you know, the, the more in the player's hands the decision truly is, the better for him down the road because he's the one that's got to go uh, get up at 6 a.m. and work out with these guys and go to class and, and have the meal plan and all that fun stuff. So I think um, I think Adonis knows that. He's a very smart kid. Uh, but he's a mama's boy as well, so he wants her happy. So I think this Alabama visit could be very telling as to, to whether or not Alabama has a real shot to unseat Florida because I do think it's safe to say that the Gators – right now are probably slightly ahead of the tide uh, for Adonis, even in his eyes, not just his mother's eyes. So, obviously, if they both still feel that way in two or three weeks, he'll end up as a gator, but Alabama's going to have one last shot to sway it. 
Well, here's another non. Well, this is. I tell you, I'm going to ask you a question that you probably won't like because I know where your allegiance stands when it comes to professional sports. Greater oh, possibility, man. John. Greater possibility. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter sticks with Alabama, or LeBron James sticks with Miami Heat. <laughs> man, greater possibility. I mean, of course, I'm going to go with LeBron James on this one. Um, like you said, my allegiance, of course, being from Miami, I'm a, a true Heat fan, an original Heat fan, not a LeBron Heat fan. But of course, I know, you know, we need him to, to help us win ball games. Um, I, well, I mean, he's down to two schools, and Ledbetter's talking about three. So if he's not two schools, but he's down to two cities, and Ledbetter's talking about three schools. So if you look at it in that, you know, terms, it's fifty-fifty for the Heat to hold on to him, and it's I guess thirty-three percent for the tie to hold on to him. It's just think of you know, sort of the regular odds out there. Um, but I think both ESPN of says very it's 85-15. ESPN says it's 85-15 he's going to Cleveland. <laughs> we'll see. We, we, you know, I'm not going to challenge anybody else. I don't know, John. I'm just telling you what's being reported. Or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you think recruiting is bad. You know, turn on the television and, and look for LeBron James information. You know, the Phoenix Suns feel like they still got a shot at the guy. So, I mean, it, it's quite crazy right now. It's, it's sort of like recruiting, you know. You you feel these, a lot these like fan bases feel feel like they got a shot at a guy because he says, you know, I like you know fried chicken, and Kentucky fans are like, well, we got Kentucky fried chicken, so we're right in there, we're right in the mix. So <laughs> it's, it's sort of like that, you know, where where any little bit of speculation is just getting unbelievably overblown. I think he's meeting with Pat Riley in Las Vegas today. Well, let's see what yeah, they already after that. They, okay, they already well, met. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, my time zones are all messed up, so to me it's like five in the afternoon. Now, they already met and he up. left without making a verbal. So uh, it didn't, it well, didn't vote as well, well as some well, maybe, well, if we're talking recruiting, maybe he's a silent verbal. Like there might be for He might be. He might be. <laughs> I am holding out hope. I'm holding out hope, John. Call me crazy that my Lakers are going to pull Carmelo. So I think anything's possible. Well, I, well yeah, hey, I'm, I'm a Carmelo guy as well. I, I, I am a Syracuse City graduate, so. Carmelo playing with Kobe could be something pretty interesting, especially because Jim Beheim coached both of those guys for Team USA. So they're, they're definitely friends, and I know Melo has a house out there. So, uh, hey, you never know. If, if you're in, you're in it, you're not in it. So we'll see. If you get them to visit, you got a shot. And, John, I'm gonna, exactly. before we let you go, before we let you go, I'm going to pay you an ultimate compliment, and I'm going to give you a ch- chance to brag on someone who's very special to you. You, obviously, Mr. Garcia, or a hell of a recruiter, as evidenced by Miss Nikki Huffman. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your fiance? <laughs> oh wow! Look at that. I wish she was listening. You know, uh, uh, that, we have a that, podcast available, sir. Yeah, she can listen in just a few minutes. She uh, she is my fiance. She's a physical therapist. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it recruiting. I think it was maybe the atmosphere or something else that sold her on me. I, I can't speak to that. I didn't feel the deal. I had a bad man, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I'll kick my coverage on this one. She's a physical therapist who actually works at Duke Sports Medicine right now, um, wow. and she's she's awesome. She's every, she's everything I could ever hope for. And and the best thing, you guys, she's a bigger sports fan than I am. She's in this LeBron That's madness amazing. more than I am. She's actually a Spurs fan, so we we've had a couple of rough uh, Junes over the last two years, especially Game Six and. and Game five, game six last year, game five this year. We we've had a couple of uh, standoffish times, uh, but she's actually a bigger sports fan than I am. She's all up in free agency. She loves the draft. She loves recruiting. I mean, I 
I really did get lucky. And so I said, you know, I, I thank my bag man every day for it. So oh, I did not even know you knew Rodney Garner. Oh, yeah. oh wow, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That, that's not my quote. That's not my quote. <laughs> that's Gary Clark, BamaMag.com. <laughs> CC Bama at, yeah, no, Twitter, at CC Bama. <laughs> we do have a couple of Auburn <laughs> listeners every now and then, so I'm sure they got a kick out of that. Well, listen, John, uh, you were kind enough to give us a full hour of your time tonight, and it is time for us to sign off, but I want to thank you very, very much. I appreciate your insight from the opening and, uh, being a good sport about the uh, off-the-wall questions from myself. And uh, we would love to have you on at least once a month going forward. Yes, sir. Yeah, that seemed like an okay commitment for me. So count me in. Whenever you guys want me on, get me on, and we'll definitely do it. Quick note, really quick. Uh, actually, Kendall Sheffield, track family. He's a very interesting one to keep an eye on. Five-star corner out of Texas, number two corner in the country. Remember I, remember I said that name today, guys. Oh, well, hey, okay, Tony Brown was the same. The other direction. And guess who his best friend is? Tony Brown. Tony Brown. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Well, we appreciate I, I'm it, just John. guessing. Thank I don't know that. John, thank you very yep. much for joining us. Uh, that's John Garcia of Scout.com and BamaMag.com. He just gave us a full hour from the opening in Beaverton, Oregon. But it is now time to close out yet another edition of BAM's radio. Uh, Drew, anything you want to add before we drop off? All I'll say is I'll have my one little NBA thing. If, I will have a lot more respect for LeBron if he goes back to Cleveland to finish what he started because the bottom line with Miami, if they have Pat Riley as the president, they will win. They may have to retool, but they will have a good organization. I would feel I would I would have a lot more respect for LeBron James and how he handled the decision if he goes back to Cleveland and helps them win a title when they've never won anything. And that's all I'll say about the LeBron James situation. Speaking about Miami retooling, they signed uh, quite a tool. Uh, in Josh McRoberts. And on that note, uh, <laughs> we're going to sign off. Uh, I'm Kerry Clark with BamaMag.com, uh, for Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine back in the studio. You have been listening to yet another edition of BAM's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. <laughs>